Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust Morebeer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14th. Get tickets now. Home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, beer drinkers. Get ready for an all-new experience in information exchange and beer culture. Your only source, only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers from around the globe right to your home. You're not just listening to broadcasters. It's the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Guten Abend, meine Damen und Herren, herzlich willkommen zum Sunday Broadcast des Brewing Networks. Heute läuten wir das Jahr 2 ein mit unserem fantastischen Gast, Dan Gordon von Gordon Birsch. Hi Dan, wie geht's dir heute? Hey Daniel, danke, es geht mir ganz gut. Freuden. Ja, es freut mich total, mit dir hier zu sein. Wir sind so glücklich, dich hier zu haben. Wir waren so traurig beim letzten Mal, als du krank wurdest. Heute bist du hier und du bist unser erster Gast im Jahr 2 des Brewing Networks. Oh, danke. Ja, ich bin lebendig und gesund heute. Sehr gut, sehr gut. Ich freue mich, das zu hören. Ich habe auch gesehen, du hast einige gute Dinge mitgebracht. Gordon Beer Spiel in einem schönen deutschen Fässchen. Ja, Holzfass haben wir heute, hast du heute äh, angezahlt. Ja, da bin ich auch ganz und, stolz drauf. Und, genau, perfekt auch. <lacht> Vielen Dank. Keine Dan. Spitzung da. <lacht> und was ist das Thema unserer heutigen Show, Dan? Über was werden wir heute sprechen? Uh, ich glaube, es gibt einen Vergleich über Pilsner, Urkel und dann unser Pils mhm. und dann uh, Welt, Weltpokal, Fußball, ja. Darüber uh, sprechen wir ja, auch. Ja, natürlich <lacht> muss das ein Thema sein. Und, und neulich, uh, ich weiß eigentlich auch überhaupt nichts, was, was sonst gibt. <lacht> naja, ich bin mir sicher, dass du mit jedem Thema einfach okay sein wirst. Ja. Um, heute auch mit uns im Studio natürlich Brewcaster Jay. Justin, wie geht es dir? Am I allowed to talk now? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm just introducing you. Who else is here? How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Mit uns auch im Studio, Brewcaster John. Wie geht es dir, John? Hello. <laughs> Brewcaster Dr. Oz. Oh, we're back to English now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> der fantastische Jamil. How are you doing, Jamil? Doing great. And Chris is here in the studio, too. How are you, Chris? Perfect. 
I'm stoked. <laughs> wow, that's the best intro that the Brewing Network has ever had. Welcome to the Sunday show, everybody. We're not going to do the whole show in German, just that beginning. And I'm realizing right now that uh, Daniela's German is much hotter than yours is, Dan. <laughs> yeah, she's got that perfect uh, <laughs> you know, sportscaster voice. She sounds like the real McCoy in German. I'm blown away. I, I watch enough TV and radio and, and well, listen to enough radio in yeah. Germany. And she's got the, she's the real thing, man. She can be the next the Thomas Gottschalk for all we know. Oh, wow. That That's would a be big bad. compliment. Hell yeah. Wouldn't you like to have that paycheck, too, huh? I would love that one. <laughs> we got to work on that. <laughs> By the way, Thomas Gottschalk is kind of like the David Letterman of, uh, okay. of German TV. He is. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Funny guy. He's a very funny guy, actually. Very humorous, yeah. Great, great entertainer. Cool. All right, so a little bit of German lesson for you. Of course, if you don't know the great Dan Gordon of Gordon Biersch Brewing Company, he was uh, trained in Germany to brew beer and, uh, and I guess, picked up a little German while you were there. You know, to get through those exams, you got to speak a couple words. <laughs> for the full history lesson on all of that, you're going to have to listen to the first Dan Gordon show because that's where it all is. And uh, He's back with us this time. Last time we had you uh, scheduled to be here, Dan, you had a little, little sick issue. It's a major phlegm. Turns out you're a big sissy when you get sick. Total wimp. <laughs> and uh, we missed you. Yeah. I don't remember uh, what we did that show. We probably just talked amongst ourselves with the most boring show ever for two hours. What did we do, John? I don't remember. Just, <laughs> we were like, well, since we don't have Dan, we're going to let Justin talk about loggers. Yeah, that went over well, too. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> Uh, and no Dr. Scott this week. Let me just make a couple of announcements there. He's uh, uh, very sorry not to be here. He wanted to be here to do the Dan show, of course, but uh, couldn't make it. Family obligations. Uh, instead, we've got the uh, the great Jamil Zayn, a chef, hanging out with us and is going to do some interviewing himself. you got lots of questions for the Dan, right, Jamil? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and Chris Graham from Beer, Beer, and More Beer with us once again, and we'll get him uh, 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 rotating through the microphones as the show goes on. And Lots of things to do today. Go ahead. Dan. Just in the absence of Dr. Scott, I'd like to remind everybody to floss regularly and, and thoroughly. Thank you. It's a good idea. I went to uh, Dr. Scott not too long ago and was reminded of how important it is to floss regularly and thoroughly. I would think you'd, he'd want you to remind people to uh, drink heavily and party <laughs> long. Wouldn't that be more appropriate? Well, you're doing the real Dr. Scott, and uh, Dan knows the uh, perceived Dr. Scott, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> he will be missing all of the tasting that we're going to do today, uh, as will many of you listeners. So we're going to do our best to describe what's going on here, because we've got a couple of really cool treats going on. Uh, the first thing, and I'm drinking one now. Dan, can you tell us about what you brought? To yeah, the, the rage in Germany these days is Ubier, which means unfiltered and unfiltertis, and that means unfiltered and unpressurized. So we just took uh, beer out of our aging uh, tank, and I brought Blonde Bach that still got yeast in it, meaning it's unfiltered. Okay. And it uh, popped it into a wooden keg. These wooden kegs are made in Bomberg. And it's uh, it's a, a definitely a, a hit and miss process, which is because the kegs are, are never, you know, totally perfect. Okay. Yeah. So anything can happen. In this in this case, the beer is perfect, but we have a little little flavor of a little metallic coming from the fittings. Yeah. And uh, these beer these kegs are hand washed and hand filled. So. Uh, right. You know, the, the, whether there's a crack in them, you never can tell. Yeah. And uh, and I think it actually went a little flat because it's in a wooden keg, and, and it's uh, you know that's part of the adventure and excitement of it. You never get the same thing twice. That is cool. And mm -hmm. we actually you have to do the whole hammer a, a tap into the keg. And I, I think we're going to have some some fantastic pictures. Of, of Danielle doing that exact thing awesome. on, on the on the website. Cool. Uh, now, I wonder if we can even up. get those up into the forum during the show. Is that even possible? 
Maybe not. After the show, if if, if not, we can poss- possibly do that. we're not passed out after the show, did you see <laughs> all the goodies that Dan brought over? He did bring lots of gifts <laughs> oh to give away. Oh, my gosh. A case of half, uh, the variety well, pack. The variety no, you're pack. not giving those. Those Two are for you to drink. Oh, yeah, I'm not giving that away. No, I meant he brought it for us. <laughs> yeah, we're on the same page, Dan. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I did taste the metallic in the beer when you, when, we, when you first poured it off of the keg. I was afraid to say anything, not because I don't want to tell you your beer's bad, but because I thought maybe my glasses were real filthy. Yes. <laughs> I both didn't know yeah. the difference. No, the, the, like I said, the beer, we can grab some bottles of Blonde Bach that were just bottled within the last couple of weeks. You could do a little side-by-side on it, too. Okay. But, but wooden kegs have to be continually used. Oh, I see. And in, unfortunately, we don't have accounts that are able to tap them on a regular basis. So we keep them wet, and we, we uh, empty them out and try to clean the heck out of them uh, before filling. But uh, some of these fittings, they're not stainless. You know, you're talking about real steel, carbon steel. Right. And it, uh, you know, if it's not used on a, on a daily basis, the, the beer will pick up uh, pick up some flavor. In Germany, what's really unique about, if you go into the bars in um, Bamberg, the mm. Gostways are there. They, uh, they'll start off the evening with a 50-liter or 100-liter wooden keg, and then as the evening progresses, they go to uh, smaller kegs over the time. And this is the last keg that they would tap okay. that night so that they don't have any beer left over. And they'll scream up, hey, how many people want to keep on drinking beer at, yeah. at say, 10.30 or 11 at night? 10.30 is probably more likely. The latest. And then uh, they will or will, they will not tap another wooden keg based on that. And okay. There's, there's uh, the, the, the Mars Brewery in Bomberg traditionally serves out of wooden kegs. I think uh, Ex Shankerly does too. Yeah, there's, there's a few, and that's the only city I think you can go to uh, where you're going to regularly see wooden kegs used for tapping beer at, at all the made bars. Okay, the major I, bars. I like the policy of of actually asking the patrons who else is going to drink. I was at your place in San Francisco the other day, and two o'clock rolled around. They just threw me out. They didn't ask if I was still thirsty. And usually by some large Samoans. <laughs> yeah, they weren't they weren't nice at all. <laughs> Stop were lingering. Very, they were nice to me. The guy, even when he threw me out, eventually, uh, yeah. he still asked me if I wanted to come back and finish my beer. <laughs> so, <laughs> what else is there to say than, wow, that's really nice. And I said, no, don't worry. And he said, well, really, girl, it's no problem. Just come back in and have your beer. Well, wow. you know, if we throw a couple pictures of the two of you on the website, <laughs> yeah. you can see why you're getting the preferential treatment, okay? Ah. <laughs> Wait, why? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the, uh, the actual wooden keg, it's a traditional uh, a Bavarian thing as well for, for the Oktoberfest, Daniela, right? Uh, they, uh, the mayor of, of is, it, is it of Bavaria or of Munich? Or? No, it's the mayor of, of Munich. Munich yeah. Comes in and he's the one who actually taps this. Traditionally, thing. yeah. That's okay. been going on for since we've had a mayor, I guess. All since right. we had the Oktoberfest. And it's always a big thing. Like, it's being broadcast on major TV stations in Germany. Really? The opening of the Oktoberfest. And it's a big thing. Like, everybody bets on how many hits he's going to actually take to open the keg. But Dan just told me that they're cheating. Really? Yeah, so I'm a little disappointed now. Why is it they set it up for Yeah, it's pre-tapped. They set it up for him because I was really stoked when this mayor came into um, this, the office. He actually only took two hits, which is really, really good for such a big keg. But it's preset. Oh. Oh, it's kind of like Groundhog Day, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they put the little guy in there. <laughs> they decide which if the spring's coming early or late. <laughs> yeah. It's still great, though. It's a good feeling to open the Oktoberfest, isn't it? It's cool. Yeah. I would like to say that this was not a stage tapping uh, by Danielle. The, this one was, was real. It was real, and she did do it in two whacks. Two whacks. <laughs> so she's a two whack kind of gal. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they say. That's good. <laughs> it's good beer. So it's unfiltered Blonbach out yeah. of this keg. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I drink your Blonbach often, actually. It's a nice beer, and it's a strong beer, which I like, too. It's a 7%er, yeah. 7%. I we, like that. We call it the Velvet Hammer. And, for instance, I will only be drinking one as I drive away from here uh, in, in a couple hours. A good idea. Yeah. 
And and this one, the difference between this one and what we would find on tap or in the bottle is that it's unfiltered as exactly. well. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that more of a traditional thing for a Bach to be unfiltered, or does uh, it vary? It, no. It, it, most of the beers you find in Bavaria, uh, unless it's, it's labeled as unfiltered, uh, they're all uh, they're all filtered. Okay. Yeah, except for Hefeweizen, obviously, mm-hmm. which means wheat and yeast. You know, right. So, which you want there. Yeah, you want to have the yeast. It's it adds to that combustion. Right. Okay. Beautiful. And uh, on our other list of great things and things to taste today, Jamil, who uh, semi-recently just came back from Europe, uh, hand-delivered some Kolsch to us today. How do you say that properly? Really? Kol- Kol- Kolsch. 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 It's the Kolsch. ooh that gets you. It's a Kolsch. It's that stupid ooh. <laughs> can never get that one, Dan. How long did it take you to get the ooh? About a day. <laughs> <laughs> Here it's we go. It's called your read, It's a German class. I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> yeah. Is the ooh the first thing you learn, though? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, when you're spending so much quality time with a German, you, yeah. should, you should be able to pick these things You know, up. I would have thought that, too, but the uh, retard comment's pretty close to home. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying hard, though. I don't know how often we've tried to say it I together. can get the other parts, but it's you that do. stupid... Mm. <laughs> that was pretty good, actually. <laughs> if I make fun of it, I can get it right. It's when I'm trying seriously that it's, <laughs> it's completely wrong. So you've hand-delivered some, some coach directly from Cologne for us Is to taste, Jamil. Right. right, right. And we'll, we'll sample those, and uh, we'll see which ones you like the best. What are we going to do, a blind tasting? Blind tasting. All wow. right, cool. I think we'll set that one up here at the first break. We'll get uh, Jamil doing that, and, and we'll see what we can do there. You like that style of beer, Dan? It's it's a unique. It's great in Cologne. And just like Dusseldorf or the Alt beer, you know, Kirsch, mm. they've got their unique style, and it's one of the things that put them on the map, I think. You know, it's a lot of fun. It's a nice beer. Dr. Scott makes a great Kolsch. That's a nice beer. Uh, Oz and I just tried it the other day. Hey, rumor has it you got an alt beer on tap uh, in San Francisco there now, too. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when the brewers come in and do that. And some of the other guys come I'll in. I'll tell you now, uh, Dan, you do. <laughs> it was great. There you go. Yeah. Oz had it. Love a good alt Yeah, I know we had to propagate the yeast up for it. And uh, it's hard. I didn't know which place it was going to. Oh, okay. To be honest. Uh, do you, do you, so it's not all the same. If you decide on a special beer that you're going to brew, uh, you don't do them to all the restaurants. No, in the olden days, uh, we used to have it like, a set schedule with with every uh, brewery doing a seasonal beer uh, to to be coordinated and, and tapped on the same day and, and expiring more more or less within a week or so. Okay. But now they're uh, the the brewers have a little more freedom. The the Hitlerian techniques are gone from, <laughs> from my no the Stalinesque I should say not that's that'd be a terrible thing to say. Oh, we like the other one yeah. too. It's still funny. No, it, it really <laughs> bad taste, and I apologize if I've offended anybody. But the the all beer is. Uh, you know, something I think John Tucci up in San Francisco want to give a spin. He's he's okay. a German train brewer too. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's a great guy. He uh, he obviously said nice things about me, so I'll say some nice things about him. He, <laughs> st- you know, he worked at did an internship at Polaner, and and learned the styles over there. Alt is a little tough to do. Uh, the yeast strain, you, just like Kirsch, they're very specific yeast strains. Okay. That give that impart the flavor. All right. And a lot of people cheat on it. You know, they're gonna they're gonna buy a, a powdered yeast or something like that. But you got to do a live living culture. Okay. And you have to start it off. It has to feed off of wort to to get the right flavor profile. Because the first generation doesn't work out. The second, third generations uh, during propagation are where oh really where, where it really starts to adapt to the uh, to the diet of uh, of wort, and that's. Uh, that's just one of the hard parts. So if you have the the kind of lab facility we do for making yeast, yeah, we're able to uh, to get it to the into a fighting mode, so to speak, right off the bat. So you're essentially making a starter, taking it off of there, making another one, taking yeah. it off of there, waiting for. We start with a test tube, go into a uh, 250 milliliter flask, and then okay. we go from 250 into 400, 400, 250 milliliters, so basically a liter. Okay. And then. Uh, 
and then, that's then when it gets it good. There. Yeah, Th- then we're stepping it up to uh, to like two gallons. Okay, and then from there it goes into into working cycles. I see. Hmm? That's a lot of work. You know, it takes a lot of. It, it dictates the operation of the brewery. Yeah, okay. I'll tell you, it's all about the yeast. Yeah. The malt and the hops are the easy part. It's, okay. it's getting the yeast going, maintaining it, and uh, and keeping it happy is, yeah. is, is really what what dictates the operation of a brewery. And where does that, if if you can, where does that original yeast that you're starting with come from? Is that an imported thing for you? Or? Actually, yeah, we get it uh, FedEx didn't, but from the Vine Stefan Yeast Bank. Okay, mm-hmm. very nice. I mean, it's on auger, which is kind of like a gelatin. Okay, uh, it's what all the labs use for for growing any kind of microorganism, really. Gotcha. Hmm? Where's your lab? Our lab's in, in a brewery in San Jose. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah, yeah. We have a, a whole microbiology uh, set up there. So if you do a brewery tour there, do you get a, a peek at the lab as well, or is that kind of a no-no? You know, for people that want to see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's face it, when the, Rotary, when the Rotary Club goes it comes in for a tour, we don't yeah. usually head up to the lab. They're not beer nerds like us. No, but for the beer nerds, you know, yeah. uh, we do the whole thing. We have no secrets. Cool. Yeah, we show it all. That's a great thing. Yeah. So you definitely recommend doing a yeast starter as a home brewer. You know, I don't know. I, it, it's different when it's a when it's a hobby and and the amount of time that you have to put into it. Mm. Okay. Boy, I mean, it, it'd be great, but I, I can't tell people. But that. if you could, would you? I mean, yeah, would you absolutely, help absolutely. If I, if I was so fanatical, you know, okay, to that level that that I wanted to have absolute control over every element, but then you're you're working every day. You know, it's not a hobby anymore. You're working right. it. Right. Because this is a daily uh, effort. Yeah. It's, it's not. But by the time you do, you pitch a yeast vial, it gets into your flask, it's usually what, second or third generation? Well, each each one is, is basically, you know, it's reproducing itself triple okay. at each stage of that. Because it goes anaerobic. When you're propagating yeast, the whole, the whole deal is, is so long as it's aerobic, meaning it has oxygen available, and it's, it's a little misnomer because the yeast absorbs the oxygen immediately upon aeration. So it, it'll generally uh, reproduce about triple its cell count. In that time frame for a lager, maybe six times uh, its cell count for a, uh, a nail. Hmm. And then each time you re- redo it, like going up to a larger scale from the, you know, the, the 250 milliliters to the, to the 1,000 milliliters. That's a generation? Yeah, that's really a, a, you know, another step. Okay. So that's what I would call a, you know, a propagation generation. So right. But like you were saying early, you know, fermentation is pretty much everything. That That's the major part of brewing and brewing quality beer. Yep. So those who really want to do it, that's that's what you got to focus on is, is the yeast. It would be an interesting question. Uh, I think we've got uh, Y yeast coming in in a couple of weeks, and um, Chris White will be back on too. In fact, I think we'll see him in Orlando to ask what generation it is we're getting in that when we buy the White Labs vial or or the Y yeast smack pack. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious what they do there. Okay, well, a couple other things just to get to real quick, and uh, then we're going to jump into some of the fun stuff and all the tastings we've got to do. At 6 o'clock, we are going to do our, our Gordon Biersch Pills tasting. This time, we're going to do it next to uh, Pilsner Urkel and let Dan kind of, because t- everybody knows Pilsner Urkel is, is the original Pills, and uh, we're going to let Dan kind of talk about what the differences are, uh, not only between yours and Pilsner Urkel, but, but your, you know, maybe even your, Amer- your standard American Pills, which uh, we know what those are, and they don't have to be said here. Um, so we're going to do uh, all kinds of talk about that, uh, those two next to each other. We're going to do that right about 6 o'clock. We'll do our Kolsch tasting before that, and then uh, just all sorts of good beard taste in the meantime. Dan, as generous as he is, brought uh, tons of stuff for us to give to you. What's that uh, boot called, Danielle? I, uh, what's the real name? The real name is Stiefel. A Stiefel, mm-hmm. which is a large uh, drinking uh, 
tool. But, uh, it's a, a it's boot. a boot. <laughs> it's a big boot. Let's face it. Uh, Dan's in particular are glass, um, and, and I've seen them uh, ceramic as well, and, and a few different things. And uh, it's it's huge. How many? How much beer does it hold? Two liters, or what is it? Yes, it's a two liter boot. It's cool. It's got the Gordon Biersch logo on it, and it's not designed for sitting around drinking uh, in your living room. Although that's exactly what I would use it for. Uh, it's, <laughs> by myself, absolutely. Uh, in fact, if there's an extra one, I'll be doing that later tonight. Uh, but it has a, it's, uh, there's a tradition around it. Huge tradition, going back to you know Heidelberg and the, and <clears throat> the, uh, the fraternities. They used to have duels that would go on, and uh, it would, they were form, became a formalized element of German fraternities where they do sword fighting. Okay. And, you know, it's the old story where you, they take, pull off the glove, throw it on the ground, challenge the guy to a duel. Okay. And uh, there were all kinds of rules for it. Well, afterwards, these two fraternities would get together, and after, uh, after cutting themselves up with these uh, in the sword fights, they would uh, start drinking out of their own boots. And can you imagine? This is going back in the 1400s. People had one set of shoes. Yeah. And they had one set of boots. Oh, And they'd God. fill the beer up in the boot, and they would actually drink out of their own personal boots. So <laughs> thanks to uh, Dr. Scott be here to comment on the modern hygiene. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. That it probably wasn't the most flavorful experience. Right. And then they got some glass makers to make these uh, glass boots that uh, reflected the scale size of... Uh, of the regular person's boot, and then it became part of the German fraternity of drink, you know, drinking traditions. And you share it. Yeah, it's a communal vessel. Okay. Usually, there, there's all kinds of rules depending on where you where you're living and, and and where you're going to school. But the one that I had was in in Freising or Weinstefan, where we were, were drinking regularly out of these things on Friday nights. Yeah. You had to have your own beer in front of you, and then the beer of uh, the Stiefel would be filled up, and you'd pass it around. And the person, uh, once you could lay it over onto two fingers without it pouring out, yeah. without the beer spilling, it was roughly a half liter left at that point. You had to drink it out, so you had to chug it. I see. Yeah, and you had to chug it with, you start with a point down. So if you did the point up, which is what we did all of the rookies, yeah. uh, you get this huge splash of beer in your face. Of and, course. And it was spilled all over. Now, the other, the other uh, good, the better rule that I liked is when you're just doing it socially amongst friends yeah. and in a non competitive environment, of course. <laughs> Yeah. You pass it around, and, and the second to last person to finish uh, to uh, to drink is the one that had to buy the next round. Right. I see. That uh, that's kind of like the double liter uh, game. We do okay. that in Bavaria quite a bit. The boot is still very popular and very common there, and it's now used for all kinds of celebrations. Like when the soccer teams play against each other, you you get the boot out. No matter if you win or lose, you always have a reason to get the boot out. Gotcha. So the Stiefel is really a very good thing. I always try to avoid drinking like towards the end of the boot because there's really a lot of spit and all kinds of weird things going on in the beer, yeah. but the guys don't care. Right. I would. That stuff freaks me out. <laughs> Although I will uh, plunge myself deeper into my own buffoonery here and say that I have drinking from an actual boot before. It was uh, just hanging on the like the, the coat rack at a bar. So even worse is that I have no idea whose boot it was or how long it had been there, but it was an old leather cowboy boot, and me and a couple of friends were sitting around thinking about how cool it would be if we uh, got our next round out of the boot. And we did, and uh, Dan, thank God for glass boots. You win, by the way, on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a real deal. Uh, yeah. I, it's I, uh, amazing I didn't get sick, but... Uh, you don't have any photos of that now. <laughs> I don't have any photos. You know, it's one of those things where you're like, I've got this great idea. And it's not till the next day that you realize... Um, you're several beers into it before you have this great idea, right? Exactly. Exactly. I'm not talking about a true great idea. I'm talking about a beer-induced, brilliant uh, yes. idea. So your yeah. germ phobia was gone by then. It was gone by then. It, yeah, because had it even one beer into it, and I wouldn't even have touched the boot. Never mind drink beer out of it. So, 
Yeah. I like Did you the, wear it at home? I like the glass one. I didn't wear it home because it belonged to the bar and they wanted it back on their rack. That's how long it had been there. It's like it was part of the decor of the bar and they wanted it back hanging from the, from the coat hanger. I'm getting grossed out just thinking about it. I'll give you some safety precautions uh, while you're on the topic. Okay. Is, is that because it's such a, a huge opening into the bit when you're drinking out of it, yeah. you cannot inhale. The CO2, just you're inhaling CO2, it makes you nauseous, and you're going to have a, a two-way boot drinking Excellent experience. Point. Yeah, right. In and out because you, of that. So, right. So you want, <laughs> you want to make sure that when you're chugging out of the boot that you do it in one rapid fell swoop. Okay. I mean, we're talking, you know, 10 seconds. No inhaling. None of that holding it up there and trying to... Yeah. Hell no. Okay. And there, there's a technique, too. You start with the tip down, and then you have to rotate it up. Okay. If you want to be muy macho. I got you. And, and that's sort of how you time it as well? One if hand, I... by the way. Oh, only, only one hand? Only holding it with one hand. Really? Yeah. You touch it with two hands, you have, you're automatically buying the next one. Wow. I'm kind of and thinking this is going to have to be done during at some point during today's show. And, and, and you're disqualified, by the way. Re- and, and what happens then? I don't know. <laughs> but you're definitely out. You're, you're disqualified. <laughs> All right, beautiful. I'm going to go ahead and start the archives. Oh. <laughs> Don't worry, Doc in Australia always comes through for me. The man uh, records everything we ever too. do. I'm sure he has They all to. know how uh, stupid I am, so uh, that'll be fine. <laughs> they have no idea how stupid you are. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but what idea they do have helps enough. What a great intro uh, to be lost as well. So what can you do? We'll get it back. <laughs> All right, we're going to have to take uh, just a little break here. When we come back, uh, Beer Jeopardy with the Dan. Because uh, it's uh, last time he was on here, he, he just cleaned up. And um, we figured we got we got to do it again. I almost uh, pushed off the Beer Jeopardy. But uh, Dan just it's wouldn't part of his tell contract. the listeners what happened yeah, in his contract. <laughs> uh, well, we just have all these things to do, right? So I'm like, well, we're just going to go ahead and drop Beer Jeopardy. And I didn't run it by John because I knew that John would have would have told me exactly what Dan told me. You can't. It's in his contract. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan gets here and we're talking about the show. Um, and and I'm like, well, so yeah, there's no Jeopardy. I try to go over it real quick. And we got to get to all these other things. And Dan Dan. Like, I hear the tires screeching. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean, no beer jeopardy? <laughs> so, uh, Oz has put us together a beer jeopardy, and when we come back, uh, we'll do that with the Dan from Gordon Biersch Brewing Company. Uh, also, I'm going to talk to Jamil about the National Homebrew uh, Competition Conference that we're all going to right when we come back from the break, and we're going to do some Kolsch tasting. Lots of good stuff. This is a local band, Cold Hot Crash. I'm going to play them all throughout the show today. i got three tunes to play for you, and uh, that way I don't even have to edit them out of the archive this time because they're not exactly copyrighted. So enjoy. Gordon Biersch, uh, Dan Gordon is in the studio with us. We'll be right back on The Brew cast.
Network, saving your life, one beer at a time. That's your cue, Ozzy. <laughs> the Oz, still with us, uh, direct from Australia. Came out for the anniversary show last week. Was a good time. A lot of people came out to that. It was real cool. Chris Graham missed it, though. He felt it was more important to go on vacation in Mexico. I, I do apologize about that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually felt it was more important, too. I just couldn't. <laughs> couldn't go with you. Uh, it's a good time, though. 21st Amendment in San Francisco hosted us, and uh, the full archive is available on the homepage, so you can check out that show if you missed it. Gordon Biersch Brewing Company. One of the founders, and of course the brewmaster, Dan Gordon is with us today, so we're going to be talking to him uh, all the way through. Uh, before we get to that, uh, real quick, i got to do a couple of things. Uh, one of them is uh, mention that the Brewing Network, as some of you know, is going to the National Homebrew Conference in Florida, and we're going uh, uh, on the 22nd of, uh, what month is this, Jamil? It's June. June. 22nd of June. It's the 22nd through the 24th, and uh, this is the biggest event in homebrewing. Oh, yeah. It, this this is this is the mecca. This is the Super Bowl of uh, beer events for a home brewer. It's the one. Yeah. And they have uh, agreed to let us broadcast the thing for you. So we're not uh, able to broadcast uh, all of the lectures and things like that or that, that go on there. But we are going to be there, and we've got our own setup going on, and we're going to broadcast two different shows, one on Friday and one on Saturday. And we're going to go around and get all the guests that are there because they, you get a lot of guest speakers at these events, right, Jamil? Oh, yeah, you get the, the who's who and, and, and a lot of uh, great speakers, a lot of pro brewers, a lot of uh, home brewers that are really pushing the envelope you know, it's a lot of fun okay i know i know for example uh, ray daniels who's done the show is going to be there randy mosher is going to be sure. there speaking matt brindleson from uh firestone walker brewing company uh, a lot of these guys are going to be doing lectures there what i'm going to do is uh, steal them away when they're done and bring them over to the booth and get some nice interviews for you guys uh, and and try to bring a little bit of those lectures home so that you know what you're missing if you can't make it to the conference if you can there's still time to do it go to beertown.org and buy yourself a ticket it's going to be well worth it. I know it's a, a bit of a trip for it's certainly a trip for us. Uh, even if you're anywhere outside of Florida, you might have to get a flight. But I think it's going to be well worth it. Jimo, how many years have you been going to this thing? I don't know, five or so. Uh, first one, uh, more beer took me there to uh, to Texas. Oh, and nice! It, it was it was fantastic, and uh, that was one of the smaller ones. But since then, they've been getting bigger and bigger and just more and more uh, spectacular each time. One of the greatest uh, events of the evening is the uh, Club Night, okay. which uh, More Beer sponsors. And it is, you know, if you have uh, like a club meeting and, you know, you know a lot of those people and someone will bring some special beers with them. Think of like 800 people bringing all their special beers and dressing up and bands and food and wow. just just the most wild evening you can imagine. Yeah, they and don't just bring their special beer; they bring special food. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's a whole event. Really right? creative, just just wonderful. Just it it is for me one of the highlights of the conference. Okay, Went out there and just hobnobbing with everybody, you know, and, and people you might have dealt with on email or in the forums, and you get to meet them in person. Right, have some beers with them, you know, try out. Uh, beers from all over the country from from people that are uh, trying a bunch of different things. Oh, just wonderful. 
All right, beautiful. So that's and, and Beer Bear Morber, you guys go to this thing every year too, and absolutely always a major supporter. So uh, beertown.org, get your tickets, meet us there. If you're not going to make it there, we're going to bring as much of it home to you as we can here on the Brewing Network. Still working out if we're going to be able to broadcast live. They want some uh, obscene amount of cash to get a daily connection for the internet there. Uh, they must have some super internet. I think a guy actually comes to your computer and, and de- hand delivers each bit to everybody in the world. <laughs> no, it's Mr. Internet. It's, yeah, that's his name. And uh, Mr. Internet uh, charges a, a heap of cash. Oh, Bob Dole's there? <laughs> yeah. So we may have to actually record the two shows that we do on Friday and Saturday, and then we'll broadcast them both at our regular time beginning Sunday afternoon because we can do it from our hotel room uh, for like $10. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but the other room is very expensive, <laughs> so I don't know how it works, but that's the deal. Cheap. <laughs> so we'll let you know. Um, Buy a lot of T-shirts. Maybe we can bring uh, <laughs> some more to you <laughs> and do do a live thing. So that's what we're going to do there. All right. Here's what I want to do, and I want to get through these things as quick as we can so we can do some fun, uh, other fun stuff. We're going to do Beer Jeopardy. But first, we're going to do a blind Kolsch tasting uh, with with the, the, the beers that Jamil brought home uh, direct from Cologne. So these, uh, and, and Dan, you can probably attest to this. Uh, you guys have uh, quite a bit of distribution with your beers. These beers uh, didn't have to go through who whoever sits them on the shelf or whatever happens in between when you take such excellent, wonderful care of your beer and then maybe occasionally somebody else gets a hold of it and doesn't take such good care of it and then we buy it and you never know. Uh, This beer was hand-delivered by Jamil himself. That's a lot of work. <laughs> to actually bring them out there. That's, it's because that's a large cooler, and uh, I'm impressed. <laughs> that's dedication, Jamil. That's what we're talking about here. Way, way to throw your kids' Take clothes out. Yeah. <laughs> now, don't peek at those bottles, everybody, because we need to... Uh, although, Dan, you might... Uh, have I, you seen them already? No, I, I haven't been to Cologne in, in ages. Okay, so, wonderful. I, you know, tell you the truth, I don't think i've ever been there except for the train stations oh is that right just kind of passing through well all we're going to do really i guess it's uh, no one's going to be able to guess which Kolsch it is we don't we're not that uh, familiar with those either but we'll talk about which ones we like and maybe some differences and then jamil can tell us pick your favorites okay cool and how many different ones do we have here well, I brought like six, but uh, we, I think we only have time to really do maybe four. Okay, let's do that. Yeah, we'll cut it down to four, and uh, maybe late in the show, if we got some more time, we can we can do a couple more. I think it's a cool idea because, uh, again, because it's just it's very difficult to get beer uh, directly imported from the place, uh, kind of kind of hand delivered. Well, it's the freshness factor. That's what what makes beer good. That's why you always want to drink the local beer. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And uh, there's uh, been other brewers in here that have said the same thing, Dan, yeah. that they love that idea. Now, I remember the first time you were on, you brought us your Hefeweizen uh, in a bottle, but before it was even available in bottles. You were doing it, like, very shortly after that. So we got some extremely fresh Hefeweizen out of you. Well, yeah, the, oh, the, stuff, the stuff I brought today, too, is uh, bottled on Thursday. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. Oh, see, that's great. That is awesome. How do you have a way to tell if I go over to the to the Bevmo or anywhere yeah. else and I pick up a twelve pack of Gordon Beers, which I actually do uh, semi often? Uh, can you tell me how long, on average, that's been waiting around there? Or yeah, you... actually, everybody can tell because we put it both on the twelve pack carrier, you the do. date it was bottled, and the uh, brew. The brew number, the date, and the time that it was bottled on the bottle. It's right on the bottle there. On the back, yeah. All right, beautiful. So everybody can tell. We're open book. All right. We want people to get the freshest, and it inspires our distributors. Right. To <laughs> get rise on it. to the occasion to <laughs> yeah. try to keep it as fresh and properly rotated as possible. Right. What would you say the outside dates are? I, uh, you know, the the party line is from every brewery is 100 days. 
but there's there's different sensitivity and taste um, recognition for for me. I, I, if a beer's been sitting in a in a back room at 100 degrees uh, for you know a week, I can tell the difference. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it all depends on the handle. You can put a, a bottle in a refrigerated environment for a year. Yeah. And literally, if it's clean, meaning there's no mi- microbiological contaminations, the beer's going to taste good. Right. I mean, it's, it's all about refrigeration. You, and you you go and talk to the guys in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. They're going to tell you the same thing. It's all about refrigeration. Now, it, does that ring true for ales just as much as it does lagers? Absolutely. It does. Oxidation. I mean, it, it it's the same issue. Uh, you have oxidation of hop flavor profiles, you know. The chemicals and hops are going to oxidize just as well as the, you know, the malt character it oxidizes. You know, right. The sugar oxidizes easier than, than anything else. Okay. But hey, it's it's all about refrigeration. Yeah. That's what we strive to. Not it's not really the age as much. Okay. As it is refrigeration. The handling. Curiosity. Uh, time from brewing to time to bottling on on your lagers about how long? Time for well, the stage of production is you know there's usually one day of brewing to fill a tank, seven days of fermentation. Then we have uh, roughly six weeks of aging, and then we filter it and we bottle it the next day, and that's the the, the date of of uh, bottling is what goes on it. So from that point on, it's completely trackable, and uh, you know beer can only go downhill after it's been filtered. Okay. Now it also just so people understand, just because it's unfiltered doesn't mean it's going to hold up unrefrigerated. Okay. Uh, the beer doesn't get better when it's uh, when it sits around unfiltered either. Okay. It's just, uh, warm beer will uh, the yeast will autolyze, meaning it dissolves, and it will take on a medicinal flavor as opposed to an oxidized flavor. Both I, of them are bad. They are bad. <laughs> I had a, a commercial beer the other day, and I won't say whose beer it was, but I, I had it at their brew house, and um, it was a Maybach, and it tasted like a band aid. It Ooh. was. It was. It had s- that such a strong medicinal flavor that it was identical to that Band-Aid f- taste uh, f- smell. You know, you, you open a, a fresh pack of Band-Aids. Oh. It was real bad, and I don't know what part of the process they were messing up. Uh, but but it was it was just ba- it wasn't a bad beer. It, you could tell that they had done a lot of things right, but that flavor was so overpowering. I don't know what they did wrong, but it wasn't good. Could there be something wrong with the tube or with well, the glass or, you know, like there's a lot of things that could happen on the, the way to you drinking that beer, take right? A while, was it, so it wouldn't you? be the transport well, through the lines? Can I, can I uh, just ask a question? Was it a traditional ale brewery that was brewing the Maybach? Yes. Uh, th- what happens in, when ale breweries, they, they don't have the tank storage space. Okay. So they're going to do generally they do a lot of them will do like a high temperature higher temperature fermentation. Okay. They uh which which produces the esters and I'm pretty sure what you're tasting was acetaldehyde. Okay. Um either that or, or, or a strong phenolic flavor. Okay. And that can happen from a shortened fermentation and lack of aging. And usually uh we do it what's called a diacetyl rest mm-hmm. after primary fermentation. Sure. So 7 days fermentation, take it down, chill it for a couple of days at uh like 40 degrees, 38 degrees. It- let the yeast settle out and then we Raise it a couple degrees to uh, six degrees C, which is you know that would be forty six around there, forty two okay. ish, forty three. Yeah, around there. Okay, and then then we allow let it sit there for three days so that the uh, the yeast can can go through an accelerated breakdown process, re re you know, re 
chomping on all these flavor profiles that it can minimize that aftertaste that you're getting. And that part there is actually a diacetyl rest. That's a diacetyl rest. That part three days at six degrees. And then you take it down a degree a day to freezing and age it for as long as you can. And that's primarily not a lot of chemical reactions going on. Okay. But it's all going slow. So a lot of ale breweries will try to accelerate things. They kind of want to do it the fast way, but lager yeast doesn't like that. Okay. And the other thing is is that if, if it had been sitting in the tank after, it sounds like it was unfiltered in my box, too. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And what happens is, is is the yeast dissolves. If it sits in that aging tank, if they don't try to remove a part of the yeast, mm-hmm. you know, either by you know letting it settle and age for a considerable amount of time, getting the yeast cell count down to like below a half million uh, cells per milliliter. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, just as a benchmark, 15 million cells per milliliter is what you pitch with, and it goes up to like 30 or 40 million cells per milliliter in fermentation. So okay. after aging, it dro- drops to 15, and then it'll continue to drop down to like a half million. That's pretty bright beer okay. from an aging standpoint. But if you have a lot more yeast in that, and it's sitting in contact with the beer, and it's just in its stagnant stage, yeah. it'll start to dissolve. That's that autolysis flavor. Uh, okay. And that's the medicinal flavor. That's right. that's the specific thing that causes the medicinal flavor the, is autolysis? The combination. I think you got both. I okay. think you got a double whammy of, uh, of, a, of a rapid and incomplete aging. Yeah. And, and then also... Uh, some some dissolving of the yeast. All right, sorry, I jumped in. No, that's fine. I love it. I've actually got another question about it. Because that's a great description. And and uh, this is a homebrew question, so uh, please answer if you can, Dan. If not, Chris or or John. So, for us, if we're making a Maybach at home and we don't want to filter it, d- uh, how d- is just racking it one time? Is that going to get that yeast count down enough, or should we? You know, how many times do we have to rack it to get uh, that count down low enough so that we don't have autolysis? You see what I mean here? Anybody got a question or an answer to that? It's a Tootsie Pop question, isn't it? <laughs> you got to keep uh, getting to the center. <laughs> I think it more comes down to the temperature of your fermentation. You, you've just got to get that down. You've got to keep it low. If, if you muck around and ke- get it high yeah. and age it high, that's when it's really going to start. That, that is where autolysis really comes from. So if you have too much yeast and you age it cold, do you not get autolysis? Uh, if there's fewer yeast cells, you're going to have fewer, a little less of the flavor coming through as it dissolves. So no matter what, you yeah. want fewer yeast cells. Cla- classic German fermentation is after the seven days of fermenta- primary fermentation, yeah. you, you, re- you, you crop the yeast, you, know, settle, you chill it down, you transfer it over to another vessel. Okay. Two weeks later, you, you hold it there like four degrees for a couple weeks. And then you transfer it to another vessel and then hold it there for four weeks. Okay. And then after that, you would... Transferred into whatever you're going to serve out of. See, so even if you take that same example as a home brewer, that's a lot more than just a secondary, oh, yeah. you know. But you can use fine, you know, German purity law. You can't use any findings to help. So, so, so you, you know, don't. No, we don't. Yeah. But, but you can. Everybody yeah. else in the world can. We just. Okay. Can't, good can't. point then. So you can ex- you can do that in your second uh, stage and you okay. know, after you transfer and have almost no yeast at all. Right. Sometimes it takes out so much that you're kind of losing the fun of the you know the pure. Sure. Pure old-fashioned flavor. Yeah, I think that the findings then might solve the the. I think that's an excellent point. And we've done a whole findings show too, and you can do them in all sorts of the all parts of the process to drop out that yeast. I can't tell if you're, are you ready to chime in, Jamil, or you're just uh, ready to drink Kolsch. <laughs> <laughs> a little of both. Oh, except that I turned you off. There you go. <laughs> a little of both. Uh, yeah, I, I think one of the the reasons that you might get your lager, uh, your uh, do some racking on the lager yeast, especially if you're going to keep it warmer, uh, like Oz says, is that the lager yeast, uh, according to to both Chris and uh, and uh, Chris White and um, <coughs> Dave uh, Logsdon, uh, the lager yeasts will uh, cough up and die 
pretty much the fastest of any of these. Now, it hasn't been the experience I've had, but they say that they are they uh, tend to be some of the the least stable of the yeast for long term storage. Okay. So I uh, I don't know why that is, but uh, that, that's what they were saying. Okay. So maybe that's one reason why. How about those colches? Now, do you Let's keep do it. keep them in order. Okay. Uh, pick pick your favorite. You know, uh, one, two, three, and four. It's one on my left. And it goes, uh, okay, wonderful. All right, so what we've got here is these uh, hand-delivered colches from Cologne from Jamil. Yeah, I, I picked those up in, in Cologne. And, uh, you know, the only time they were warm was uh, carrying them on the plane uh, back to to uh, the States. Okay. And then they've been uh, cold in my fridge ever since. So uh, they're pretty good when I got them there. Again, they're bottled, which is always different than when you go to the, the, the breweries and the pubs in Cologne. They're they're you know they got the wooden barrels and they're rolling them with their feet and all that stuff and mm. then they they tap them and it's all gravity fed and wow. uh, you know it's just a wonderful it's a it's a softer beer I think than than when you get it in the bottle that's great so uh, you know it, it's just and, and part of it's the atmosphere is going to make you feel uh, you know better about it and you're gonna you, you enjoy beer more when you're happier you enjoy beer more when you know the the situation you're in makes you feel good. Okay. And it's it's a big part of you know appreciating anything in life. Of course. So it's going to affect the flavor. So here at the, in the studios in Pacheco where it's uh, 78 degrees. That's right. Uh, <laughs> we're we gonna. A mild. You know, it's not going to be not going to be quite as nice as uh, in Cologne itself. While we're doing this, before we uh, mention our favorites, uh, if you're in the chat room with Daniela, we're going to play Beer Jeopardy uh, directly following, and we're going to have. Four players, so we need four people from the chat room to. Um, uh, we could do a caller too. Do you have Skype on? No. So the real phone? The real phone. One eight 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 four zero one beer. Eight 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 four zero one beer. We'll let a caller play with us, and then um, we'll do three contestants in here. So three people from the chat room. Uh, you've got three people that are going to play for you. You've got the Dan, you've got Jamil, and you've got uh, John. Yeah? Yeah. Are you in, John? I'm in. All right. So three people. Uh, the first one to say those names, either the Dan, Jamil, or John, uh, that they'll be playing for you. Okay, back to the culture. here. So, uh, Dan, you've already gone through y- your tastings. Uh, you want to tell us what you like and what you don't? Um, the cleanliness of the flavor on, on two is exceptional. Then f- number four is right there with it. And then I, I find a little bit of uh, an off aftertaste on, uh, on number three. I, is it me or is four a com, almost a completely different flavor than all other three Kolsch's? Or is that, did I get mine mixed and that's your off flavor one? Because uh, me, to me, one, two, and three are very similar. Uh, subtleties are different, of course. Yeah, one, one's but four is a completely different beer. Is it, is it a little bit sweeter? No, yes. one's really lighter on the bitterness. Okay. Yeah, four, four, I get a vegetable thing going on. Oh. It's real bready. You get, yeah. you get that intense wheat yeah. breading on that one. I like the flavor. It's not a bad flavor, but it's very different than the other three mm-hmm. is what I'm gathering. So, Dan, you're saying that uh, two and four are much cleaner than the other well, ones. Well, two's like perfect. Okay. I, I would drink a lot of that. <laughs> and what makes and then, it... Uh, what the, makes well, it? you know, when you're, when you're looking at beer as a whole, there's everyone's got their different ways of doing it. I first look at, at you know, the character, the, the, the general aroma and flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, first and foremost. Then I go to the bitterness. Is the bitterness in, in, in the in the right level, and is it a clean bitterness flavor as yeah. opposed to a lingering or 
or you know lacking or, or lackluster. The effervescence has to be on. Um, you know, they're all pretty much in the same CO2 level. Yeah. And then, and then I'm looking for off flavors primarily. What are the off flavors that you get on number three? Uh, let me let me pull it up again. Okay. Well, I'll be tasting number three. And and before he even mentions it, does it did anybody else get any off flavors of of number three or any of them? Just so we I think don't have I any bias. Up, I think I shuffled the glasses from between three and four. Okay. That was not a smart move. So four. So maybe that's the one that. Uh, are you saying you shuffled them I, since I you're I tasting? I think I messed them up. Yeah, so I really screwed up. Because <laughs> yeah. the, the one that that was. Uh, I had I had both an acetamine and acetaldehyde on on either mm. three or four, and I can't remember which one. Okay. Which I had. Maybe I'll steal one of Jonathan's. And there you go. Same one. He's by the way, Dan's just he's actually just looking to get the rest of Jonathan's beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mixed them up. Three is a good one. Three is the good one. Four was not. Four has the off flavors. Okay, so that's the one that I'm going tastes completely different than everything else. I uh, I will stick to saying though I don't think it tastes it, it, it tastes like a bad beer, but it is completely different than the other, and and that's what you're saying is off flavor. By definition, everything made in Germany is good. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> okay. by definition. I mean, I, 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 I've, I've rarely had a bad beer in Germany. Mm. I mean, it's it's extremely rare. I smell in that fourth one like a white wine, like a Chardonnay aroma. Mm. I don't know if anybody. Well, uh, the Chardonnay that. that's that's usually a, uh, you know diacetyl and uh, pentanedione mm. that they give you that. Anytime you hear Chardonnay in beer, yeah, it's, well, don't, it's, don't people get acetaldehyde in Chardonnay as well, like green apple? So, like, yeah, but uh, like, I, I know like the one he's talking apple. about. I didn't get green apple. That, no. that wasn't that wasn't coming through. Well, I thought you said acetaldehyde. Yeah, I, no, acetamine. Oh, okay, it was the first the, the major one that I had. Oh, okay. All right, now it, now Kolsch it, and it is traditionally a, a difficult beer to brew in because it's supposed to be so clean and a mild beer, right? So there's nothing to not like our IPAs where we just we get to cover a bunch of stuff with some hops, right? This is it a tough one? This is a tough one. This is one of those things where it's all about the yeast. Okay. And and then the fermentation, uh, you know, that whole bit. That yeah. yeah. But but the really really having having the 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 style, the Kolsch yeast is, mm. is the tough part. You guys ever do a Kolsch? No, I haven't uh not in my days. Okay. I haven't. You know, I think it's to, my personal feeling is it's damn hard for people to do an alt or a Kolsch that tastes like the alter Kolsch you get in Germany. Okay. And so you don't want you to stay no. away from it then? No. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. All right, who else? What do you like in here? John, what are, what are, what are these four do you like? Uh, two and three. Number one's a little salty. Okay. Like, it's kind of minerally. I'll give it a taste here, see if I get any of that. As if I'm going to know the difference. I agree. Number one is my least favorite, too. Yeah, I didn't quite like that one too much. I, I think it's still fine, it's but it's my least four. favorite of the mm, others. Yeah. I don't know. I, like, I liked one. Yeah. I've, I've had a lot of home-brewed cultures, and none of them have come out well. Every, if I go somewhere, somewhere to, to a brewer's place mm-hmm. and they say, here's my Kolsch, I'll turn it down now because nobody is getting it right. The only decent one we had was a couple of days ago at um, one of the docks, and it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And which of these do you like? I prefer the second. Second? Yeah, yeah, it's all there. I think I like two and, and three. I'm, I'm torn between two and three. I like four because it has that different flavor, but I guess that's out of style. So I'm like, I'm not uh, judging it properly. You like the white wine taste, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. The Italian side. Yeah. I go with number three. That's my favorite one. What is that one, Jamil? Can we disclose it? Three is Scion. Scion? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's uh, let's name all the ones that we're tasting here. Why not? So uh, that's Scion, and 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 that's something that's some that good you, stuff. That really. We, we can't get here. I've Sion. never heard of them. I mean, have I? 
What's the name of their beer? Who, who brewed by it? Johan Sion. Yeah, wow. They, they have a pub, yeah. pub there. They've been brewing for Old Joe. since thir- years. 1318. They've been brewing since. Oh, you got Gilder over there, huh? What's your favorite, Jamil? <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, I liked number one, and I also like number four, but I, I, I see the, the things that are wrong with number four. Mm. And uh, what's, this, what's the Gildan? This is number two? Yeah, that's the big guy. And Fru is number one. Number uh, two okay. was Fru, was Gilder. Yeah. Yeah, those, that's kind of like the mothership of... Uh, it's the main Kolsch. They're, 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 them and uh, Kuppers are the two uh, two biggest uh, Kolsch breweries in northern Germany. Okay. I can say why. Now, these beers that you uh, brought home here, have you ever seen any of them here in the States, Jamil? Uh, I think Fru. Yeah. Which is that one you got and, right uh, there? Okay. Yeah. Um, a couple others. And I, I had uh, several more. Yeah. I, I brought home, I think, eight different Nice. Ones. Attaboy, Jamil. Um, well, thanks for sharing and, these. And number four was uh, homebrew. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I bottled it today. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's pretty young. It uh, I, I kind of force it to get get it here today. Okay. But uh, so it needs some lagering time, and I think it's the first pitch of yeast. Mm-hmm. It's a little sweeter than uh, I wanted it to be. Okay. But uh, I think it turned out pretty good. All right. I think I think it holds up well with with the rest of them. I feel bad because I'm now you being I don't. <laughs> no, I, I think I think it does have a, a slight green character to it. I think uh, you know Chardonnay or acetaldehyde. Hmm. Um, you know, it just it just hasn't uh, had a time to uh, finish up completely. So, well, the beautiful thing about this particular beer that Jamil brewed is that if he's not entirely 100% happy with it, I get it. He yeah, just yeah. automatically pretty delivers pretty it to me <laughs> instead but, uh, of dumping it in the backyard. Yeah, I, I, I don't feel bad about, uh, you know, being in the same company as these other three beers. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, having and nobody uh, spit it out and, and say, well, this can't be German. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's pretty good because uh, Kolsch is, is very tough, yeah. very tough style. Yeah. You brew a lot of them, Jamil? Uh, you know, I, I brew a fair amount. Okay. You know, it's it's one of my favorites along with all beer. So. Mm. Okay. It's good style. All good beers. Great beers. I'd like to see yours in the lineup with these three, Jamil. Good work. You're a brave man. Yep, yep. <laughs> Not only putting them in that lineup, but uh, getting the Dan to taste them, too. That's a cool thing. All right, do we have our contestants for Beer Jeopardy? We do, but first I have a little feedback from the chat room. Okay. You have a second? Yes. Remember Sam Terrace? Yes. I'm a He's man. back. Really? <laughs> and the first thing he said today was about Dan. Dan Gordon is the reason why I am a home brewer. I had his Merzen at the Gordon Beers in Hawaii. Uh-huh. From there on, I was in love with craft beer. Wow. That's yeah. Great. Our yeah. token. There you go. He's a, he is our token. That's, that's he called one. himself, he said to token is back. <laughs> saving people's lives, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. The, the truth is that everything tastes good in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, that's cool. All right, yeah. I'm glad to have token well, back. Well, thank you. That's quite quite a nice statement. It is a very yeah. nice statement, yeah. And we do have players, too. Okay. All right. Who so do we have? Jamil will be playing for Vichita. Okay. Dan will be playing for Boob. Okay. Boob. Wonderful. Boob. <laughs> yes, Boob. <laughs> Boob's a good guy, don't I'm you? I'm a Boob kind of guy. <laughs> you do right by Boob, and uh, <laughs> everything will be fine. <laughs> John will be playing for Buzzcut. Okay. And they want you to play for Captain Kangaroo. I can't play. You can't? I got the questions right in front of me. Oh, the you answers, answers too? Yeah, I do. Uh, They're all my, even though, I mean, some of them are ones that I wrote not too long ago. Danielle, well, you would Danielle doesn't know the answers. 
Get, I can't get play. Chris to play. I didn't read every one of them, but I think uh, I I know right now I can clean up on one category no, that's entirely. Not okay. and, yeah. Well, then you, sorry, Captain Kangaroo. Yeah. And we have Beer Bear on the phone. Beer Bear on the phone. All right. He's going to yeah. be playing for himself. Beer Bear. Yeah. How are you, buddy? I'll be all right if I wasn't at work today. Oh no! You got time to okay. do this thing? Do what? You got time to do this then? I hope so. Okay. Uh, here's I, I mean, somebody else's day went out real bad real fast. <laughs> All right. Because of your connection, what you're going to have to do is make sure you're speaking real loud when you want to chime in, uh, if you've got okay. the answer. That way I can make sure I hear you. And okay. uh, Oz, I'm going to put you on um, on who buzzes in first patrol with me as well. No sulking this week when so, I get it wrong. That's right. Nobody yeah. yelling at Oz. Yeah. for uh, You know, he's, he's going to be the final word. I'll help him out, but Oz is the final word of who buzzed in here. I can go Oz, 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 Oz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so all of you are going to need a buzzword, of course. Uh, Jamil, what would you like your buzzword to be today? Pope. The Pope. All right, cool. <laughs> so uh, you got to say that. Uh, the Dan, you need a buzzword. Uh... Uh. <laughs> you know what's going to suck about that is that's what everybody says before they hit their buzzword. <laughs> so it'll always be Dan. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, you got to pick another one. All right. Uh, <laughs> Kolsch. I'll just do that. Kolsch. Yeah. Perfect. And uh, John. Cluck, cluck. Cluck, cluck for John. All right. There we go. So those Jimmy are boy. those are our buzzwords. And uh, Beer Pal is in the studio yeah. with us. And God damn it, I've missed you, Beer Pal. I thought, I didn't know if we pissed you off. I never know when you disappear. You did. You did piss me off. I, I hate did. you. But I'm only here because Oz is here. I wanted to meet Oz, the legend. <laughs> oh, so cool. I, I missed him last week. I thought I'd come in. But listen, the reason I'm on the mic is yeah. I have a brand new copy of Designing Great Beers I'd like to donate as a prize for right. um, Beer Jeopardy today. For Jeopardy. Nice. You guys Ooh, can use it. Okay. Wow. It was given to me as a gift. I've never read it. I've never thumbed through it. I already have it. So... Here it is. It can be... Uh, Wonderful. All right. That's great. Thank you, Beer Paul. Absolutely. That's great. <clears throat> Hope I win. So that's a different... Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> you couldn't eat it. <laughs> well, we have so much stuff to give away today that I'm thinking first place today gets a couple of things. So, really? So they get this. They get Designing Great Beers, donated from Beer Pal. And do we want to give the boot for Jeopardy, or do you want to do that f- later you for, know what, for Stump the You know brewer? what I would actually love to do? Do we, If we have two... Prices for number one. Yeah. I would actually, because a lot of first-time chat room people are being active in a chat room, have yeah. uh, yelled out the names too, but they were just not fast enough, like uh, okay. our long-time listeners. Okay. So what we could potentially do is we could assign two people to every contestant yeah. of the three guys in here, and the first place we give out two first places. Like let's assume Dan wins the Jeopardy. Okay. He is playing for two people. Okay. How about that? Do it. Do it. Do it. Did you understand what I just said? I understood every word. <laughs> you don't look like it did. I'm just drinking Dan's blonde box. <laughs> this is why BMWs and Mercedes are such great cars. That kind of precision <laughs> and determination. Yeah. <laughs> and also, before we get started on the game, I have yeah. to apologize to Jamil and to JP because I apparently placed them last last time we played Beer Jeopardy, uh. and it was just my. Stupidity they that were they placed second him. to last. Yeah, so I apologize to Jamil. Close I enough. <laughs> I didn't mean to. It, JP's in there telling you that, isn't he? No, Jamil oh, told Jamil me, and I really me. feel bad towards Jamil. JP, I don't care, but I don't <laughs> want to place Jamil last if he's not last. <laughs> okay, so the Dan's playing for two people, uh, yeah. but we can give away other prizes too during oh, yeah. this because uh, Dan bought a bunch of shirts there, and um, and we got the boot. What do, we, do you want to give away the boot for this, or do you want to save that for for Stump the Brewer? I can't handle decisions of this matter. Yeah, that's fine. The boots should be stumped, uh, the brewer. All right, the boots gonna go later.
later then, and that's yeah. a that's a big prize. Okay, so designing great beers as well as a Gordon Biersch T-shirt goes to first place, nice. and uh, um, they'll have to uh, uh, I don't know fight over who gets what, I guess. Right? And we can determine. <coughs> okay. Okay. And then uh, second place, uh, we'll also th- we'll give a, c- a couple shirts to second place exactly. too. Exactly. Third place gets nothing. Okay, yeah. that's fair. All right. Good enough. All right, let me figure it out here. So we have Jamil then playing for Vigita and Skipper. Okay. We have Dan Gordon playing for Boob and Flash. Okay. Flash. <laughs> 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 Amazing how that worked out. <laughs> Can we uh, from now on say Flash Boob and <laughs> do it in the other order? And I'm going to assign this one. John is going to be playing for Buzzcut and Alco Hero. Okay. All right? Okay. And then, of course, uh, Beer Bear's playing for himself on the phone with us. You still there, buddy? Yeah, which means I'm totally screwed. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'll pick my split personalities. How about that? Okay. Your category today, uh, categories, you have three of them. It's, uh, we're playing speed jeopardy here. There are only uh, uh, 100 oh, through 300 under each category. You have cheers. Uh, cell phones suck. Are, are we losing you, Beer Bear? Okay. He pulled over off of the freeway. Cheer, uh, beer bear? No, he's at work. That's what he said. My cell phone keeps bouncing on and off. I'm at, I'm at the fire station. All right. If you, uh, can you hear us now? <laughs> Poor can beer you, bear. Can you work the hose with one hand and uh, the <laughs> phone with the other? Yeah. Yes, still there? Yeah, we're still here if you can hear us. I'm going to go on. Uh, if you can't chime in, then uh, we might uh, drop you and have someone else jump in there. All right? Beautiful. Uh, cheers. Beer vertising. And uh, guests that wouldn't have come on to the show unless we had so many damned listeners. Those are your three categories. You only have 100, 200, and 300 points in each one. And, um, okay. I'm going to go ahead and give it to the Dan, control of the board. We'll start with Dan. Cheers, beer advertising, or guess it wouldn't be here unless we had so many listeners. Guess it wouldn't be here unless we had so many listeners. For how many points, please? Shoot. Start at 100, huh? Start at 100. Right at the top. This guest... Taught us how to design great beer. Pope. The Pope. Ray Daniel. That's right. We're giving away designing great beer. That was hard. That's the first prize. Right in front of him. 100 (laughs) points for Jamil. You have control of the board. 100 points for Jamil. I'm taking it down. (laughs) And uh, Uh, guess for 200. Guess for 200 points. This guest taught us that Justin could have, in fact, Fermented his star sand beer. Cluck, cluck. John. Charlie Tally. That's correct. Charlie Tally, owner of Star Five Sand. <laughs> 200 points for John. 200 points for John. All right, John, you have control of the board. Uh, guess for 300. All right, going to clear out the category. This guest appeared on our first high gravity show. Cluck, cluck. Go ahead. It's John's only category. Peter Zine? No, sir. Ooh. He appeared on our first high gravity show. I'll give you a Charles, Charles Bamforth. No. But he is the foremost expert on high gravity brewing it's, in this country. I'll have to give him a ring. <laughs> He's from UC Davis, right? <laughs> yeah. UC Davis. I'll give you a hint that he is not a professional brewer. Oh how the hell am I gonna know him then? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Everybody else like to chime in. Oh what Pope. Did you Go ahead, Pope. Well, it was uh, Pope and uh, uh, Scott and... uh... No, sir. 
Oh, Chris Graham was our special Whoa. guest on the very first High Gravity Beer Show, who is here right. with us today I as well. Chris. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was Chris and me and Scott, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we lost Beer Bear there. Is he still on a Beer Bear? My keeps dropping. It, uh, it he's keeps dropping. I can't tell if it's your end or mine. I got gotcha. you. Um, okay. I, you know what's happening? I know what's happening. I missed that last question totally anyways. I heard the question, but I couldn't have guessed it. Right? Oh, We're going to give Beer Bear a prize anyway. I know exactly what's happening to Beer Bear. Uh, I'm, I keep losing my left channel here, hence the banging that you keep hearing, uh, because I have this great way to fix that left channel, which is by punching the compressor. And uh, <laughs> this, the, the phone line you're on, is only a, it's only the, the left channel. <laughs> so every time the left uh-huh. channel drops out, so do you. I'm there you go. I didn't hang up then. There's my long technical explanation. It seems to be working now, so hang in there with us. All right, thanks. Uh, for that, I'll give you control of the board. Go I ahead. I never even heard the, the uh, categories. Okay, uh, cheers. There's only two. Uh, I'll c- pick number two. I'll pick number two, whatever it was. Beer advertising uh, for 100, 200, or 300 points, please. Uh, let me just start out easy with 100. 100 points. The slogan for this beer is the light beer for a heavy, a heavy world. Ooh. The light beer for a heavy world. Go ahead, Beer Bear. Uh, I'm going to say Miller Lite. No, sir. Good at the brain freeze. (laughs) (laughs) The light beer for a heavy world. I'll I'll take a shot. Go ahead. But Keystone Light. No, sir. Anybody else want to jump in here? Curls. Go ahead. Yeah, Corona Light. No, sir. I saw something on the world. Although it would work for Corona Light with their whole ad campaign. That's not a bad guess. Uh, John, would you like to jump in anyway? Paps? No, Amstel Light. Ooh. Amstel Light is the light beer for a heavy world. Beer Bear, you still have control of the board. Cheers or the same category, beer advertising. Uh, let me try cheers since I didn't hear anything, anything there. Okay, cheers. This is either how people say cheers in different parts of the world or trivia from the show Cheers. Uh, oh, Jesus. How many, uh, <laughs> and uh, what's the uh, point spread you want there, uh, Beer Bear? 100, 200, or 300? I'm going to go for 300, see if I can play catch-up. There he goes. 300. In this country, when they cheer, they say, Tim Tim. (laughs) Tim Tim? Pope. Tim Tim. Pope. I'll go China. I don't know. No. It's not China. Bear. Go ahead, Bear. Uh, Taiwan? No, sir. It's a T-I-M, T-I-M. Tim Tim. Timmy's Little World? (laughs) (laughs) The Dan... Or John. Anybody want to chime in there? No. No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) And I do know the one in China, by the way. (laughs) Don't say it. It might be. I know. (laughs) I know how to do it in Latvian. Brazil. Ah. Tim Tim is Brazilian. Really? For cheers. That would be Portuguese, then, I think this was a category with... Oh, no, it was words for beer, maybe, that we had last time you were on. Because I know that we had an argument about whether or not that was the actual word for it. Oh. I think I won. But only because I was able to turn off Dan's microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing too well today. Though. Is it correct that only two people got points so far? That's what I have here on my sheet. Yeah, Jamil and um, John. And John. John's kicking kicking <laughs> ass on that. He's got. Uh, All right, he's Bear. You got still 200 have 200, con- and I got 100. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, let's go. Still have control of the board, Bear. Uh, let's try cheers again for 200. Cheers for 200. In what city was the TV show Cheers based? Girl. Oh. The Dan. Yeah, Boston. Boston, yeah. that is correct. That's How many points? 200 points for the Dan, and he now has control of the board. Go, uh, cheers for 100, I think, is all that's left. Okay. Uh, these people say when they cheer, Lechaim. Oh. 
Go ahead, Pope. Well, Jewish people? The Jewish people. <laughs> <laughs> Three-way time. You say Lechaim. So that's 200 for Jamil. That was 100 points for Jamil. I knew that one, too. Jamil has control of the board. There are uh, There's only one category left, and it's either 100 or 200 points. I'm always going for the gusto. Give me 200. 200. You never forget your first girl. Kirsch. Go ahead, Dan. Uh, St. Pauli girl. St. Pauli girl is correct. And you have control of the board. How many points is that? That was 200 points. It's actually the very last question of the day. Anybody can chime in. Do you love beer? Bear. Bear. Yes. I don't know who the brand is, but I know I love beer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm willing to give you points for that, but uh, let's see if anybody can get the answer. Do you love beer? That's the slogan of this company. Wow, silence in a studio. It's a very popular company. A very popular craft beer company. You should make a guess because it's very oh, close uh, here. Uh, Go ahead, Dan. It's my one of my competitors, perhaps? It's possibly yeah, one of Sam your Sam Adams. Sam Adams. I was going to say Sam Adams. That yeah. is correct. Their slogan is, do you love beer? Yeah. Except I would actually like to say that all of us craft brewers are up against the imports. We don't compete with each other. That's true. You're all in We're the same all game. In the brotherhood of beer. You know, I'll, I'll give you a, a brief behind-the-scenes story of the FM show that got put up. Uh, uh, Dan, we're doing a show on 106.9 in San Francisco now. And uh, one of the things I had to say to them, they were telling me that the big guys aren't spending money on radio anymore. And one of the things I said was, uh, don't worry about them. The guests and the sponsors that you have for this show are actually non-competitive. If one of them gets on the radio, it's equivalent of all of them getting on the radio because craft beer drinkers, uh, while they may be loyal to to a certain extent, it basically means they want to go find new beers. So I had to sit the sales guys at the, at the radio station down because all they care about is the money and say, listen, you can get more than, you know, whereas when Budweiser sponsors, that's the only beer company you can have sponsor. That's it. It's done. But with craft brewers, it's very different. They're all very happy to jump all in on the same wagon. You're in the same boat. It's all your industry you're promoting. And it uh, was the difference in getting the show on the air because they were concerned about that. So, anyway, there, long, there you go. I, I would like to say during this Beer Jeopardy that Chris Graham let me down. He did not feed me all the correct answers. <laughs> Which he normally does. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it, it's making me look bad. <laughs> How many points did Dan earn with his last question? <coughs> 100. 100. 100. No, he's no, no, the big one. No, no, no. no, he won 300 points with that one. That well, was had, 300? If oh, I that said, was a 100. If, no, if he I had s- 200 I may more. have said it. R- I may have announced it wrong. The $100 question was the Amstel Light one that nobody got. Ooh. The $300 question was, do you love beer, Sam Adams? No. I yeah. believe I'm undefeated now. Did that just put him over the top? It did once <laughs> again. <laughs> That's it. That sucks. A, a poor showing, <laughs> but comes through in the end. But I'll break it's, that. It's, like, it's, it's very obvious because Dan has 700 points and the other guy's 200. So wow. Because really as I say, Chris let me down. <laughs> what did Dan get? Two 300s and a 100? Is that how he got that? No, we get, yeah, two, two, two hundred Don't and one, three hundred. Don't trust her math. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All right, that is upside. John that's, could that's, probably that's win the two in a while. the least German thing right. about her is her math. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'll, I'll just say we did bond earlier. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So Dan won. We had a moment at that keg tapping. <laughs> <laughs> and with Dan, our listeners, Boob and Flash won. I'm boob just flash. happy for Boob and Flash. flash. Boob, eh? <laughs> 
Wonderful. And, and since it, since they're winners on the Gordon Biersch team, uh, mm-hmm. we'll send them a couple twelve packs. So oh, that's get, cool. get the address and uh, and we'll put them in the, in the mail. UPS. Wow. Yeah. Right. Beautiful. It's and Daniela uh, Pearl one thirty. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, Dan is actually much more efficient in giving out his prizes than we are. He really is. <laughs> <laughs> He's good at it. So you will get your beer from Dan. The other listeners can vouch for that. Uh, okay. Here's what I'm going to do. Uh, beer Bear, you still with us, man? Yeah. Uh, you had a little disadvantage for the whole first category. I'm going to send you a T-shirt, so uh, you're in for that. So and a 12-pack because uh, he's a good guy. It. There you go. And Dan's going to get you a 12-pack, too, so that's cool. Great. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for playing along. I appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks a lot. See you, Bear. you got to send me an email with your address and stuff. Yeah, I'll take care of that right now. Cool, buddy. See you. All right. Bye. Beer Bear wins uh, even though he didn't win. Uh, first place gets designing great beers uh, and a Gordon Beer sh- T-shirt, right? And um, um, okay, the first prize goes. Flash is going to get the book. Okay. And Boob is going to get the shirt. The shirt. All right. Beautiful. And they both get twelve packs. And they both get twelve packs from Dan Gordon. And then uh, we also said we'd give prizes to second place. <laughs> so uh, who who was who, who came in second? Uh, well, John and Jamil did both. Oh, it's a tie. They tied. Everybody wins today. <laughs> how about a thumb war? <laughs> guys want to have well, a thumb going you do down in <laughs> a thumb war, buddy. Ask just one question randomly. I might have a tie-breaking question. Yeah, yeah ask I, a tie-breaking question. I think, I think we give prizes to yeah, everyone. I can yeah. send 12 packs. Don't worry. All right, everybody wins. And yeah. I've got uh, used T-shirts that. that I can get. Huh? Uh, yeah, we got to move on anyway, so everybody wins. Let's do that, all right? Um, <laughs> we got to take a quick break now. I like it when everybody wins. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a real fast break. When we come back, we're going to do our tasting. Uh, Gordon Biersch next to Pilsner Urkel. We're going to do the pills. And um, then we're going to get all into the good stuff with Dan. I want to talk to you, Dan, a little bit about decoction mashing. I wanted you to uh, dispel those mysteries for me because uh, I hear that it sounds a lot more complicated than it is. But it's also uh, a a few extra steps in your regular uh, mashing. So I want to talk to you about that. And then, of course, uh, we'll do a good rundown of proper German lagering techniques, which uh, you're the the U.S. master at that. So uh, that's what we want to do. Cool with everybody with that? All right, good. It's the Brewing Network. Dan Gordon of Gordon Beers Brewing Company is with us. Go have a pee, and when you come back, we'll talk uh, Pilsners, lager, and decoction mashing with Dan Gordon. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network.
love beer, that's real beer, great beer, well, you can brew your own world-class beer at home. Not only is brewing your own beer incredibly fun, it saves you money, too. At morebeer.com, you can get your own personal brewery for as little as 100 bucks and make any style of beer you can dream of. Morebeer.com has everything you need to get started brewing beer that rivals even the best American craft brews or European imports, hands down. And the folks at morebeer.com are the most knowledgeable in the industry. They're never more than a phone call away with great tips and expert advice. Let them guide you from novice home brewer all the way up to commercial brewmaster. Check out the website at morebeer.com. Call 800-600-0033. That's 800-600-0033. Or visit their fun showroom at 975 Detroit Avenue in Concord. They've even got free shipping. See what they're about at morebeer.com. Absolutely everything for making beer, wine, and coffee. You're listening to Three Guys. Excuse me, what about me? Yeah, sorry. You're listening to Three Guys and One Girl. Use a radio show as an excuse to drink more beer. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. All right, we're back on the Dan Gordon Show, part two. He's uh, joined us today, and even Beer Pal's come in the studio for that, and he's been hiding for, for months now underneath boats and fighting with sharks. But he came out for the Dan Gordon Show, and that's a cool thing to do. What we're getting ready for you right now is our Gordon Biersch Pilsner tasting. Uh, Daniela, this is one of your favorite beers on the planet. It uh, is. Should we take off the... Uh, uh, <laughs> microphone. <laughs> i got to say, right now, there's so many people in the studio, it's uh, it's awesome. Everyone's uh, come out to have a good time, and you're going to hear lots of uh, banging around, and, and that's okay with me. Um, we should take Dan Gordon's headphones off right now, so people don't think we're saying this just because he's here. Mm-hmm. But this is one of your favorite uh, pills to get in the U.S. I have to admit, it, it is the favorite for me. I was never a big pills drinker until I went to Germany and had some pills. And now if I'm going to buy pills, it's going to be the Gordon Biersch pills. And part of that, Dan, in in all honesty, it's a great beer and a a German-style beer. A big part of it for me is that I know it's fresh as well because there's some pills I had in in Germany that I'd split. I'd buy a whole bunch of other pills too, as well as yours, if I could get it fresh and good. But if I want a good German-style pills around here, it's the Gordon Biersch. I mean, can, can anybody think of another... Another one that's a, a good, fresh one that you can get from around here? You know, and I've mentioned this before, as far as uh, lagers go, especially in the traditional German style, yeah. you're not going to find anything better than the Gordon Beers products. Yeah. It really, you know, across the country, they're, they're a hit and miss here and there. There's some good stuff, but uh, Gordon Beers is really uh, well, well, tops. Thank you. Those are very kind words tonight. I accept them graciously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went to, we went, to, uh, we took five of our German friends out to the Gordon Biersch last mm-hmm. week. Five of my friends from Germany came to visit us here. Yeah. Big beer drinkers, big beer dudes too. Of course, only German style beer, as we only do German style beers in Germany. Mm-hmm. And they were stoked. Yeah. Yeah, they said, whoa, that's just like at home. It's just like yeah. being at home. And they ordered one after the other. But I will say, you know, it's people come out from Germany, you ought to try like a few West Coast hoppy beers and, you know, to, you know expand absolutely. your horizons. Yeah, absolutely. People, people who are drinking and just West Coast hoppy beers out here, you know, expand your horizons, go to Gordon Beers, try try some of those, you know, you're, you're getting pretty close to what you're going to get in Germany. Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you, and I love the American beers, too, mm-hmm. um, since yeah, I've lived so here, but they are all for the German stuff. Oh, those Germans. <laughs> yeah, those Germans. 
You've got yeah, a monopoly, though, on the American German uh, straight style German beer, Dan. There's one other brewery on the East Coast that are similar philosophy. It was Baltimore Brewing. Okay. Owned by uh, Theo de Grone. I think he sold it recently. Okay. Uh, but he uh, he's a one of the Grolsch family members. Oh, okay. Went to grad school with me in Germany. At gotcha. Did pretty much the same thing I did, except in uh, Baltimore. Okay. And then he subsequently moved back to Germany because he decided Baltimore was not the place to be. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Are these the children's portions that we ordered today? Or? Yeah, I think that's all that we get here. <laughs> it's going the, on, uh, man. Is the children's portions. <laughs> uh, while we're still pouring these out, I, need, I do need to make uh, another quick announcement real quick. A Brewing Network-sanctioned beer competition. Um, it's being put on by the uh, Inland Empire Homebrewers. It's their 19th annual Southern California Regional Homebrew Championship, and uh, they have gotten Brewing Network on board to, to help them out, and we're all going to join. It's going to be Daniela and I's very first competition I know. that we've ever entered, and we are going to taste the beer later on that I'm going to enter into this competition, and it was my first all-grain attempt. I'll give you the whole story of that later. But it'll be my first competition, my first all-grain beer, and I'm going to enter it into that. And I really want to encourage a lot of you to do this thing if you've never entered a competition before. We've talked about it a lot in here. Jamil always says it. The best thing about these competitions is learning about your beer. And this is uh, the one to do it at. Because I want to see the Brewing Network like sweep these categories. When they announce all those winners, I want to hear BN, guys. And I uh, really need you all to join in. By entering this competition, you do help the Brewing Network. So you're always asking how you can help this is how go to hopheads.com www.hopheads.com for all the details i will be putting a coupon on our main page which will give you a dollar off and it will also let those good folks know that you came from the brewing network and uh, everybody here at the bn is going to enter john's going to enter a beer doc is going to enter a beer daniela and i are going to enter a beer graham you got any beer we can make you enter you mean I have to brew it? <laughs> <laughs> Forcing you to brew. You got any old ones? Anything around? I, I can, can do that. Yeah? When's the deadline? Brew. The deadline for this, uh, the entry is July 21st. So you got a little time. July 21st is the deadline, which is like literally the Friday before the actual competition, which is that Sunday after that. So you I'll got just there. skip out on that thing coming up in a couple weeks. <laughs> just forget all about that. Yeah. <laughs> July 21st is the deadline. I really would like all of you to enter, and it does help us out. Beer Pal, you want to enter this competition? He's raising his glass with a yes, a triumphant yes from Beer Pal. www.hopheads.com. All right, let's check it out here. What do we got? The Pilsner Urkel first, John? Yeah. Is that what we're tasting first? In the mini portions, which uh, uh, Dan's has gone already. Yes. <laughs> well, I win. I'll I say, uh, and I'll bet you Chris will point this out, is the, the Pilsner Quell is, is slightly oxidized. Okay. As as is common for the Pilsner Urquell that we get in the bottle here, yeah. right? But and but not really light struck as much as right. you'd expect. Right, and not at all in, Go in ahead, the green bottle. You made a point of buying the, the proper packaging. Yeah, when I went into the BevMail, went right into the back of the cool room, mm-hmm. bottom back case, and took a 12-pack uh, a out of that. So yeah, make good, sure good job. Yeah, I, I get no, no skunky from that, yeah. but there's a little oxidation. And uh, it's interesting how, how, you know, compared side by side, you know, like you compare maybe a Bitburger and a, and a Pilsner Quell. The Pilsner Quell has a lot more uh, caramel. It's, it's not a very caramely beer, but side by side, 
it's substantially more caramel sweetness to it than uh, I'm not sure. I, do they still do a triple decoction at Pilsner Quell or no? No, but we we both use uh, Gordon Beer Sham Pilsner Quell both use a percentage of caramel malt, mm-hmm. and it's called Carahel or mm-hmm. Carafoam. All right. And it's uh, in ours. It's about seven percent. That's why our two beer styles are, are unbelievably similar. But look how dark the uh, Pilsner Equal is, and part of that's the oxidation. Yeah. But um, you know, it's substantially darker. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, you're also in a different diameter glass, which kind I've, of, I've got them in the same. Oh, you got them in the same. Yeah. In, in the romantic lighting too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, one's one's. Uh, I do that on purpose. Too. Yeah. Not for every guest, I'll have you know. Uh, yeah. Quite darker the, the Pilsner <laughs> Quell. I mean, uh, the the Gordon Biersch is, is along the lines, the color lines of like a Bitburger, or, you know, one of those uh, German Pilsners. Very light. Are you using a different hop, Dan, than what uh, Pilsner Quell? Well, you know, no one knows what Pilsner Quell is using anymore. They, you know, they're not using Zotz hops. Uh, right. They export most of those to. To the United States, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and they actually, uh, it's the number one purchaser of it is is Anheuser-Busch. Okay. Yeah, lesser known facts about hop purchasing there, but uh, they they probably are buying the same, you know, bittering hops, uh, you know, Northern Brewer, Brewer's Gold for the first hopping, and then then doing aromatics with with Zotz, um, Hollertau, Tettnang, and Spalt. Yeah. I bet they, they average it out. Uh, considerably now that they're uh, they're able to buy everywhere, but historically, I mean, the the whole deal with Pilsner Urquell is that was brewed with 100% uh, Zotz hops. That's that's a tradition. That's their original yeah, that's, deal. That's their namesake. You know? Okay. That's, that's what they're all about. Okay. But I heard uh, from some of the hop dealers in Germany that when when the Czech Republic was really tight on money, yeah, <clears throat> and it was a government controlled brewery, they were actually buying concentrate uh, hop hop extract and shipping all their Zotz hops for getting top dollar. To the west and uh, and using as much concentrate as possible. Okay, hard to believe. Yeah. No. Now they got rid of the wood and went to stainless and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, there's the the wood thing was nice show, but it, yeah. it's it's a bitch, it's a bitch to maintain. To, yeah. <laughs> you, you just don't want to deal with that. Yeah. It looked good in uh, Michael Jackson's book. Yeah. yeah. Every, everything looks good in that book. You know. Right. I, I love that, but you know, look look at the wooden keg. What mm-hmm. I just gave an example of the things you have to deal with. But but one of the things is. You know, if if you're given two beers that are equally as good, and one's you know served out of a wooden cask like you did, and then Danielle has tapped it, and you know, that that one tastes better. And it's, why? Because because of the romance of it, right? I think anything yeah. Danielle taps is going to taste better. <laughs> by, by law, it's weird how that works. Yeah, but, but I did pick up you know the light oxidation flavor right. in the in the pilsner, and it was surprisingly less than the majority of pilsners that pilsner that I've tasted. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Off this the tap is, is where the best place to get the Urkel is, by you know, the way. No, they don't ship it so. refrigerated, so it really wouldn't matter. Oh, is that right? Yeah, you're getting the same handling of the beer, whether it's a draft or or bottled. Uh, none of the European beer breweries that I'm familiar with, yeah. and, and I, I stand to be corrected by somebody sure. at some point in time, but I don't think there's any European beer that's coming over refrigerated. Wow. Yeah. So all you can really block then is the light problems, but not that uh, warm oxidation. But wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't you say that uh, maybe they're picking up a little more in their bottling than they are, O2, uh, than, than they are in their kegging? No, I doubt it. You don't, no, think? No, you don't the, think so? The, I mean, they're using the same state-of-the-art uh, machinery. You know, they're down to, uh, you know, the, the benchmark is under 0.05 parts per million um, of oxygen in the in the bottled beer. Uh-huh. And they have phenomenal equipment. I mean, the, it's not like the olden days. They, mm-hmm. They're they're world class. They're probably down to like 0.03 or so. Wow. And, yeah, and you go through the same, you know, you have aseptic filling going on with keg filling, uh, where, where meaning that there's never any uh, any air 
coming in contact with a beer, but it's the same process. You're purging the keg with with uh, compressed air to to get out any of the residual beer. Mm-hmm. Then it goes through caustic wash. Then it's hot water. Then it's steam sterilization. Then it's being purged with carbon dioxide and then pressurized with CO2. And then it's filled uh, under counter pressure so that there isn't any air contact. That that whole process now is being done um, almost identically except for the the rinsing part because everyone's using new glass. Uh, it's all being replicated in bottle filling, too. You have double pre-evacuation with under vacuum for the bottle, so the air is actually getting vacuumed out of, as opposed to just being pushed, pushed out. Pushed out, yeah. Yeah, so it's sucked out. And then, then CO2 purge, uh, then it's vacuumed out again, and then there's CO2 purging again and pressurization, and that's being filled. So the technology nowadays for bottling uh, is, is incredible. Hmm. Yeah. So is 0.03 then, uh, it's just unnoticeable, you're saying? I mean, that kind of oxidation is... It'll still oxidize. Yeah. I mean, there, anytime there's any air, it's going to be enough to, to pick okay. up the, the flavor. And it's just not oxidation. That, that There's other reactions that are going on from heat. Okay. Uh, that that change the flavor of the beer. The, the hop flavors in particular, a lot of the chemicals in the hops, they're really uh, subjected to uh, to oxidation. I think, uh, you know, other than saying like dry hop beers, I'm talking about ones that where you're not adding any hops that are going to have any um, uh, volatiles that are going to be able to cover up the flavor flaw from oxidation. Yeah. That's what the advantage of of, of ales is. They have a lot of of, of, of higher impact flavors. That, okay. That can help help cover it up. Whereas lagers, you don't have that. You're naked. Yeah, you're standing there, and every flaw is being presented in its uh, full frontal. I've and had that right. happen before, and it's, uh, <laughs> it's terrible. That, that heat aspect will affect the uh, the malt sweetness that's there. Oh yeah. When 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 you heat it up, it turns and and it becomes a different flavor altogether. It becomes slightly cloying. I wouldn't say that this is a really cloying beer, the Pilsner Qual, but it is slightly. You can tell the difference between you know the Gordon Beersch beer and, yeah. and the Pilsner Qual beer. It's got a little bit of that cloying sweetness to it, and, and I think that's part of that heat uh, effect uh, and oxidation on that. Yeah, the best way to really uh, notice this, if, what oxidation uh, hap- when it occurs, is uh, compare a Heineken that is imported in the East Coast versus okay. the one that goes to the West Coast. Because the West Coast beers come through the Panama Canal. A oh. lot of it is, and, and it's sitting around for three months. Yeah. Whereas in the East Coast, they're getting it in five days. Huge difference. Okay. And the best example of, of oxidized flavor is Qingdao. By, oh, right. By far. Classic example. But it, that's in a can, too, right? Qingdao? I've, I've only had it at Chinese restaurants and bottles. Oh, they do okay. it canning, too? No, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm probably mixing it up with one of the other guys. Yeah, who knows? Who does know? Yeah, Not really me, know. apparently. But it's, it's really a good example of, of being able to see what oxidation is all about. Because of the length that yeah. it really takes to get from there to here? Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the characteristics are this is lightly oxidized. And then stronger oxidized, you go into this cardboard flavor. Yeah. And, and beyond belief oxidized beers, especially ones that have uh, higher content of darker malt in it, mm-hmm. uh, go to this, this caramel flavor. And then finally, sherry. Those oh, are really? like the progressive stages of, of terrible oxidation. Okay. When you get sherry and cardboard combined, it's just the worst. It's been around for a oh, long, long oh, time. Terrible. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's inter- That's a good progression right there. How would you describe this? Part- so you, before cardboard, is there a way to describe this flavor we're I, getting here? You know, I, I agree. It was it was slightly oxidized. Okay. Yeah, just it's, a little cloying. It was pretty subtle. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a lessening of character more than anything else. Okay. So not an overpowering of anything, just kind no, of we're, we're talking about that. very small uh, uh, issues here. Okay. You know, but but it but it's there. It's it's you know the difference between that and a fresh beer. Yeah. 
is obvious. It's that. If you yeah. had them side by side, you can tell. And it's side by side with the Gordon Beers. Well, let's talk it about that correct. then. What are the similarities and differences in your Gordon Beers style of a Pilsner and, and the Pilsner Urkel style of Pils? Well, I really modeled mine after the Czech style of brewing, which is in, you know a higher body than the Northern, Northern German Pilsners are usually lighter in body, a little more crisper. Okay. Uh, so the OG is down around 11, 11.5% okay. is the range. And our Pilsner, Czech Pilsners, are uh, in a 12 to 12.5% OG. Okay. So that that's the first and foremost. And we, we both do it in that same. Ours is 12% original gravity. And is that a different malt that you're using then or just less or more of it? No, we pretty much have the same malts. Okay. You know, there's, there's, we, we go for the same kind of Pilsner malt category you know, uh, classification where we're trying to get something under 11% protein. Okay. That's that's the first first and foremost, and then there's this callback indicator. It's a it's a number where, anyway, it, it, you, we test for free amino acids in our in our work, trying to get it right dialed in. But that's beyond the home brewer state. Okay. <laughs> I don't I don't want to delve delve into the numericals yeah. on that thing. That's fine. But we're trying to get low protein, uh, the right modification level, so it's not over modified. That means the enzymatic activity isn't off the chart. Okay. And uh, that way we can control the fractionation of protein. Uh, we we want to get a certain specific uh, level of high uh, molecular count protein, middle molecular, and low molecular. Low molecular is the middle, the free amino acids that the yeast needs to be able to ferment and live. Mm-hmm. That's key. Middle molecular is all about foam. Okay. And, and that's head head retention, things like that. So we want to have the right level there, and that's all predicated by the enzymatic activity. And we we calculate our mashing times and temperatures. Based on on getting those numbers in, in line, and 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 it results in a, in a better beer. Okay. So we do the same kind of mashing process. It's a graduated step infusion mash. Okay. That, when you when you're getting down to it, fermentation temperatures, the yeast style that we use, very very much similar. We're using all Hollertau hops now. Hollertau hops are just really similar to the Zotz hops except you're going across the border. So no change. It's uh, through the whole process. It's Hollertau. Yeah, ours is one. That's kind of our. Everyone has their little, little thing they do. You know, that signature of their beers. Yeah. Ours are one hundred percent Hollertau. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, they're they're probably using mostly you know for their aroma hops. They're using mostly Zots. Okay. But I bet they have now. Uh, you know, since they're such a large operation, they usually average it out and use use different. You know, like I said, Hollertau, Tetanus, Spalt, and, and and Zots. Okay. All right. And then aging wise, you know, both of them are naturally carbonated. Okay. During the aging process. So talk to me about that. You you put it. Uh, do you take it from the fermenter into another vessel then to carb to carbonate? No, most most of the big breweries don't do that anymore because we're getting uh, you know good separation of yeast. Cylinder conical tanks enable you to, to to crop out the yeast pretty pretty well. Yeah. And uh, we flotate, meaning we remove the cold break at the, before we start fermentation. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're remo- removing cold break that way. I'm I'm pretty sure. Just by letting it settle and then taking uh, the cold it out. break rises to the top. Hot break goes to the bottom. I yeah, see. So we cool it, add the yeast, and and. It's aerated, and then the foam drags a lot of the break up to the top, and we're just decanting it by pumping it over, transferring it all into a fermenter, and then removing the cold breaker, the, which is a, the, the really fine molecular-sized co- um, uh, protein that's actually lighter than the than the uh, the beer itself. The density is a lot lower. Okay. And that's how we, how it's uh, done. And then aging, you know, fermentation five, seven days. Yeah. At uh, nine degrees C or you know forty eight degrees Fahrenheit, and then taking it down to freezing gradually over time and letting it age and Doing its, uh, and how long is that process, that aging, before you're ready to bottle it? You know, for, for us on the Pilsner, it's five weeks. Five weeks. Yeah, I don't know what Pilsner Curl's doing on that anymore. Okay. 
Yeah, and now it's owned by South African breweries. Yeah, I, I was told they used to do it eight weeks, but uh, I don't think it's that's happened. I can guarantee it's not happening anymore. Okay. Yeah. And now that length of time to age and have a quality lager because you need the age is that why a lot of the small breweries, uh, you know, they're sticking to the ales and yeah. things that, because it, you, they don't they can't afford it. T- tank space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They got to sit there and you need Tankage a lot more is tanks. Expensive, yeah. 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 People walk. You guys that own ale breweries walk in our brewery and they see the size of our tanks. Yeah. And the number of them and just say whoa. And do they say, Dan, I love the size of your tank? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brewers uh, have, have tank envy. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. you got to make sure it's out of that. You can have it. Um, all right. Why don't we back up then? I think that's a great comparison of the two beers and, and talking about the difference of those two. Um, you mentioned a few things uh, as we were going through about the process that I think would be some, some good starting points. So I want to start back at uh, your – just a quick question. You were talking about the part of the mash uh, and the, en- the enzymatic activity, the middle mm-hmm. part that is the foam. Uh, us home brewers occasionally, not everybody, will add things like carapils or, or carafoam and a couple of things so that we can get head retention. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't add any extra grains for your head retention. No, but we brew a 7% uh, carahel, which is carapils or carafoam. So it's in there already. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I know I asked Oz this question, too, as a home brewer. What do you do for head retention? But he controls it all within his uh, grains that are our, your base grains and your temperatures and things like that. Yeah, you don't, you right. don't add I, it, no additives for head retention. No, I, I, I just play with the, the mesh temperature. Okay. Yeah, and keep, keep things like sugars out, mm-hmm. and, and that also helps, yeah. Okay. And John, on the other hand, you do like to add uh, carapils to your... Well, at least that's what you have me doing. I think. Well, add carafoam to a Hellas that I did. Okay. But I just... It blows me away that it actually adds a caramel flavor to your beer. I never even knew that till uh, now. So. Okay. Adds body, yeah. Body, too, yeah. And Jamil, are you adding uh, grains like that for head retention or controlling it within the... I do more like Oz does, and I and I uh, play with the, the temps more okay. than I add... Uh, any of the carrot grains. I think the biggest difference uh, I found in my brewing is uh, after the Charlie P show Mm -hmm. where he does his uh, protein rest, a high protein rest at 55C uh, for 15 to 30 minutes Mm -hmm. and that is amazing what it can do for your head retention. Okay. Well, that's that's a critical temperature. That that temperature right there is the spot? That's the one when I was talking about free amino acid, you know, dialing it in. Because if you have too many free amino acids, it means you're over letting the enzymatic activity go along too long, and it's going to break down the middle molecular protein, shift it towards lower. And you need that middle category in order to have head. Okay. All right, so that's a big difference there, then. That's a little magic spot there. Uh, it's, it's all happening there. We, we use to have two protein rests, 52 degrees C and 62 degrees C, different, different uh, enzymatic groups that are occurring that, that are breaking down pro, uh, the protein. And how long are we talking about resting here? Is it different for Dan than it is for home brewers? Well, I, I it, think it, it depends would be the on same. the malt. It depends on the malt. Okay, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it all depends on what you're get, what you're start working with, and you have to adjust and compensate for the type of malt that you're getting. Okay, do That's you the still hard part. do you still do that with modified grains? Well, do all, all, do all malt is modified. Okay. I mean, that's that's the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, you have different en- enzymatic malt. activity levels for specific the type of malt you're using. We do it by delivery. I mean, we're talking about you know if we get our uh, our a different batch delivered from the same malting facility mm-hmm. using the same barley that they're they're malting with, we we have to adjust for every delivery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll run it through. First brew we do, we do a, a FAN, a free amino acid test. Free amino nitrogen is what FAN means. And we uh, run it up to our lab, and then we run down 
the minute we get the results, I mean, we change our matching program hmm. to compensate for that. Now, are you doing this by uh, by location or, or at one location, then the grain gets redistributed now, to all the locations? Or how, yeah, this, how does that happen? No, this is just at the at the large brewing facility. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the brewery restaurant, we have they they're running the same matching program. Okay, uh, regardless, because that's just right. we can't do it right. real time. So this uh, at the the main brewery for all the package right beer. Okay, yeah. I just want to point out real quick that the biggest problem I've had with today's show is that I couldn't figure out which beer to reach for and drink just just a second ago. It was really a brilliant problem that I wish happened uh, at every show. Let me do a couple of quick listener questions that I think we can get through real fast and then get right back into it. I want to know about your mashing techniques. Um, first, though, uh, this listener says, I brewed a classic American Pilsner uh, made with cornmeal cereal mash. Uh, the uh, original gravity was 1050. Um how long should I lager and at what temp? So a classic American pills. Uh, <laughs> Dan, you're laughing at me. <laughs> well, you want to make – it sounds like if you got corn in there, you're going for Miller. Okay. And, and their aging days are roughly seven. Real fast. <laughs> Get it in and out. Yeah. All right. Uh, what if, even though you used the corn, you wanted to try and do a nice lager on it, what temperature would you do this lager at? Lagering should be done at freezing. At freezing. Yeah. Zero degrees C, 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Always. Yeah. Well, do the dacetal rest for, you know, three or four three or four days right. at, uh, you know, six degrees C, and then take it down a degree a day. See, and, I thought that it, sounds so cold to me. I thought it was a bit higher than that. But you're saying zero, huh? No, you got to come into – go go check out Anheuser-Busch's uh, aging cellar. It's freezing. I used to wear three sweatshirts when I was working there. Is that right? And I was working out hard. <laughs> okay. I've got what I said is as low as you can get the temp for yeah. as long as you can get it there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Vine Steffen did actually a study on, on head, you know, foam. And if you can get it down to minus 1 or minus 2C for mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks, it won't freeze the beer, and you're going to have better head. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. There you go. And then uh, the, the, the cornmeal, that corn flavor, is not a not even for the Ameri- classic American pills style? Is corn uh, something that you want in that, Jamil? Yeah, in classic American pills, you're going to okay. want some corn in there. Yeah. Okay. Because yes. so, that's what he did. He used a, a, a cornmeal cereal mash. Yeah, so. abs- absolutely. For okay. Classic American pills. So good for that style. Get it down to uh, freezing for as long as you can. You know, six weeks would be nice, huh? It all depends if you're going for hams, Meister Brow, Lucky Lager. <laughs> which one? Uh, you want? Which, which, which one? Uh, classic American. Well, we're, we're talking pre-prohibition pills. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. That's true. It, you can't find. In fact, when you just did the classic American pills show, we couldn't give an example of a of a nice commercial right. one to find. So, uh, so we didn't. We gave no examples. Right. I, I, we, we talk about Bohemia, and you know, it's 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 like a shallow example, but. Okay. Um, all right. Now this one, uh, they want to know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have you answer yours, which will be different than the home brewer, and we'll let uh, all the home brewers answer this question as well. What is your favorite lager yeast? So Dan, you guys, you're going to the bank, right? Yeah, the Vine Chefin 3470 is the benchmark for for lager. German lagers. Okay. That's what you know. Everyone's using over there okay. a lot. A lot of proprietary ones. A lot of spinoffs. I, I did a whole catalog cataloger uh, for. Uh, a thesis work on new strains, 15 of them where I compared them. Uh, there's some other ones that are great. 159 from Vine Stefan is, uh, is an exceptional strain. 168 uh, performs extremely well. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, unfortunately, I don't think these are accessible to. They're not. The I th- yeah. So, uh, are you I'm, repitching, I'm though? No. You know, so when you go through that whole process and you've built it up like we discussed in the beginning of the show, yeah. and then you use it on a beer, that's it? 
That's it. We're we're very unique that we have continuous yeast propagation going on in a brewery. Okay. So it's it's always uh, high high course and stadium out of the propagator, and we're pitching based on cell counts. It's it's zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance. Yeah. As yeast management goes, and you can tell I'm a hippie sissy because I get that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the re- and the reason we were able to do it is we were starting that way from from day one. It's very difficult to 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 put that into the system. Um, there are a lot of breweries that want to do it. It's just tough to. To incorporate after the fact. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Graham, what's your favorite lager yeast? Oh, thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> the 802, WLP 802. White Labs? Yes. Okay. Ozzy, you propagate your own yeast too, don't you? Yeah, I've got a couple of lager yeast going at the moment. I, I generally use the, the Y yeast packs. Okay. Um, I like the, I can't remember the number, the check pills. Okay. Uh, but I've also got a commercial lager yeast that, Nobody will ever tell me. Where, the people that gave it to me won't tell me where it came from. Oh, right. But I've actually been able to mutate that so it actually drops absolutely crystal clear this beer. The bit, the, the check peels I brew with this beer, I don't need to filter. It comes out really well. Wow. But um, white yeast and white labs make really good yeast uh, for each style. So if you go and make a, a check pills, yeah. use their check pills. If you go and make a German pills, use their German pills. Okay. Jamil, favorite lager yeast? Well... <clears throat> All right. First off, uh, you know the, <laughs> the, the, never, the 3470. You know the 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 same thing that uh, uh, Dan's talking about uh, is an excellent yeast, and uh, White Labs and uh, Y yeast have have that version, and I think it's great. And I think uh, for White Labs, it's what 830, and for Y yeast, I can't remember the number. I, I apologize, but uh, that's excellent. Um, I really love the Eyinger strain, mm-hmm. which which I, I was really heavy into, and then uh, just recently doing some uh, lab work on on lager yeasts, I went back to the the the, the standard, and uh, I'm I'm using that uh, nonstop now. And uh, <clears throat> one of the things is, if you have access to White Labs or Y yeast, yeah, all the lager yeasts that they provide are excellent. Okay, you cannot go wrong. Okay, try you know make a make a big batch of, of wort. Split it up amongst uh, three or four carboys and pitch three or four different lager yeasts, and uh, try them all and see which one you like the best. Yeah, that's the yeast you should use, okay. and you should use that for all your lagers. And what you should do is learn how that yeast works, learn what it likes, learn what it doesn't like, learn how to uh, you know propagate that, how to build it up. That's the yeast you should use for all your lagers. That's that's my opinion, and and you really you know there's no right or wrong answer here, and. Uh, you know, they're they're all really really good. Okay. All right, John, real quick, got a favorite? Eight thirty three, White Labs. White Labs. And then uh, second Southern German Lager. I think it's eight thirty eight. I don't know. Okay. The all right, beautiful. Uh, some quick questions here. Does the OG determine how long you lager for? You know, does the ori- does the original gravity uh, come into play there? I mean, obviously, you want to. You're not done until it's down to your final gravity. So uh, th- that's one thing. But uh, but does the OG specifically relative to how long you're lagering for? I, w- I wanted to ask Dan that question. Actually, I, I've heard you know you hear tons of slogans and sayings and all this kind of stuff. And one of the rules of thumb I always heard was uh, one week for every degree of Plato is what the old German brewers used of lagering times. I didn't know. Is that a truism? How close or 
Yeah, it sounds like right out of the brewery catechism book. <laughs> Is that right? No, no, seriously, there's such a thing. I have a copy in German. Do you really? Yeah, it was given to me as a present as a historical book. It's really neat. Beautiful. Yeah. And it's it's written in German. Yeah, yes. Um, and I don't plan on translating <laughs> that's why it. Maybe. That's why I don't understand yeah. it. You yeah. know that was the next question. Yeah, I, I haven't actually thought of it that way, but I'm, I'm just running the numbers through my mind. Okay. And, uh, that's fair. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty pretty close. We... Uh, you know, ferment our bock. We we brew box all the time. We have two that you know our blonde bock is uh, it bottled year round, and then we do uh, you know in the brewery restaurants we do my, my bock and uh, we do a, a double bock in the winter time. And yeah, we we age them extensively, uh, at least two weeks longer. Okay. Than our uh, others, and they ferment slower too. We don't want to put too much of a cell count in there uh, just to get it done in seven days. Hmm. So our bock beers take about nine days of primary fermentation. So you've got this concern about overpitching, whereas homebrewers, it's hardly ever a concern to over to have too much. You, you can't afford to have a microscope and sit there and count cells. Yeah. And, you know, you don't know how many are alive or dead either when you're doing homebrew. Right. I mean, you open up a packet. The beautiful thing of a propagator is that we have 100 percent or 99.9, you know, of okay. living cells. Yeah. So we don't have to worry about that that issue. Yeah. So it's a controlled environment. We yeah, we don't increase our pitching rate. It's In order to speed it up, you no. don't do that, yeah. Mm. Okay. Now, now on the on the temperature thing, uh, one question I want to ask on the Hefe, that brewery catechism thing. What about the thirty degrees uh, Celsius uh, rule on Hefe? So the uh, temperature at which you pitch and which you ferment adds up to thirty. Oh, I didn't know that one. No, yeah, you I, heard, heard no that I haven't. Yeah. Heard. You haven't read that whole catechism book, have you? The temperature you you pitch at. You're a bad and altar boy. What, what is it? <laughs> the temperature you pitch at. Pitch at and and. Uh, Added to the temperature you ferment at should equal 30. So you would pitch at uh, 13 I, you know, and we, you would ferment at 17. You know, I haven't heard that one. We we generally pitch at the same temperature that we're propagating at, but mm-hmm. we we cool down two degrees below what we're um, fermenting at. So in loggers we're pit, we're we're pitching at uh, seven degrees, although the propagator is going at nine. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, we ferment at nine, so it ramps up in 24 hours to the to the fermentation temperature. And with our uh, hefeweizen, we're uh, we're pitching at uh, 16 degrees, and uh, fermenting at 18. So that's 34. <sighs> it doesn't add up. Right, right. But I hadn't heard, that, I hadn't heard that, that one. That's the problem with your hefe then. Yeah, it really. <laughs> is. Oh, the, the numbers oh. just don't add up. No, it, really, yeah. it doesn't. You know, but so uh, 16 is like 62 or 61 degrees, and uh, but and you're go- at you're yeah. at what 18, which is 64. Dan, Dan, put away the knife. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you always brew to taste, right? That's right, the right, right. rule. Absolutely. In I don't know. Right. I, to so tell it's you a fairly I, cool I, fermentation on your hefe. You know, yeah. I've worked in, in breweries in Bavaria. Uh, I, I don't know anyone that, that pitched at potentially seven degrees below their fermentation mm-hmm. temperature. Mm-hmm. You don't want to propagate. You want to have the yeast propagating and uh, not getting temperature shocks. Right, right. You know, so you usually store your yeast. You know, the, the rule for lagers is, is you... You know, keep them in, in a liquid environment for, like, if, if you're reusing your yeast, you know, like 38 to 40 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. Hmm. That's, that's that's where it's kept. So slightly yeah. warmer than your lagering temperature. No, no, yeah, it's lagering temperature, but you're harvesting at that, yeah. you know, 40 degrees C. But colder than your pitching yeah, But colder than You, you want to keep the yeast acclimated. Uh, and, you know, it'll it'll jump up in temperature pretty quick. It won't have any problem with that. Okay. But uh, I, I don't know anyone that's doing a you know, seven-degree difference. Okay. Yeah. Fair. 
Okay, I've got more questions from listeners in front of me. I wonder if it's possible before we take a break to do a, a quick discussion about your mashing technique. And as I said earlier in the show, to me it's a big mystery, although it doesn't seem like it should be. It's not all that difficult. It's just some more steps in what you do, right? Right. Okay. Can we do sort of a dumb down, you, you know, you know, pretend you're talking to me, so it's got to be dumb. And uh, what's the whole deal? And, and, and tell me about what the mashing process is that you do. All right. There's Everyone's heard infusion and decoction. Mm-hmm. There's the Infusion is just allowing the enzymes in the husks of the barley uh, to, to break down enzymatically, break down the carbohydrates, protein, and whatever else is going on. Okay. Just from the force of, of the enzymatic activity. Decoction refers to boiling. And, okay. and and the way and there's two different ways to to break down the starch molecules. One is using the enzymatic process, and the other way is to explode them uh, or denaturate them uh, using by boiling with heat. You can, okay, you, you can do the two things, and uh, there's there's different uh, reasons for doing it. Uh, just generally. The darker the beer, the more decoction you're going to put into it. Okay. And, and the reason is that you have the crystallized malts, the caramelized sugars, and that some of them are hard to release out of the out of the um, the husks and the barley and the, and the actually in the flour portion too, without adding a little extra heat. They they don't go into solution. They don't boil as well. They don't explode. Okay. The starch molecules are kind of locked in. And uh, by by adding that extra heat, you know it, it works. You can get so infusion okay. that there's in graduated step infusion or decoction mashing. Do the same thing. Two. You're starting off with an infusion mash. The okay. decoction is, and then at certain temperature spot times and uh, of the procedure, usually when you're getting into the carbohydrate, uh, the amylases, which mm-hmm. is you know 68 degrees C and 70 degree, between 68 and 72 degrees Celsius, those are the amylase optimum temperatures for beta and alpha. Okay. The first one is being beta, and the second one is alpha at 72 degrees C. Then those break down the carbohydrates into into the simple sugars, you know, malt, uh, glucose, maltose, maltotriose, which are the only three sugar components that the yeast can actually um, metabolize. Anything larger than three glucose molecules will remain or referred to as dextrins or, or, or whatever, or st- even starch if you're not getting a very complete mash. And you don't want that? No, you don't want Well, you want to have some because that's a residual sugar and it adds body to your beer. Okay. You just want them to stay in, in, a, in a, you know, Molecular size of you know four to twenty or thirty, you know okay. anything more than that, it tastes starchy and and bready and all that, and you don't want that. Okay. So it it, it like uh, you know in a single decoction ma- uh, mashing procedure, you're going through a, an infusion maybe up to sixty eight degrees, and then you're pulling twenty percent of that mash out or twenty five to thirty percent, and you're bringing it to a boil. And then what you pulled out, you bring you to pu- a boil. What you pull mm-hmm. out, you bring to a boil. Okay. And and you're exploding the starch molecules and and such, and and it releases a little bit more flavor in the dark beers because uh-huh. those malts are so so much more complex as far as their structure okay. and, and crystal crystalline structure meaning. And then you mix it back in. So instead of heating up the mash in the infusion portion, you're taking a portion out, you're heating it up, and you're mixing it back in, and that's how you get to your next temperature level. Okay. But at the same time, keep in mind, every time you boil that 25 to 30% of the mash, mm-hmm. you're deactivating all those enzymes that were in there. Okay. All right. So and that's why you don't just boil right from the get-go, because you'd kill everything? You would kill everything. Okay. Yeah, the enzymes are, are deactivated, and, and that's not good. Okay. And every enzyme has an optimal temperature uh, level and a deactivation temperature. Okay. And a lot of a lot of the enzymes will, uh, I think the highest temperature that I know some of these enzymes can handle, and this is going into, into the ones that are naturally occurring in the malt, uh, maybe 80 degrees Celsius. Okay. That's why you mash out. <laughs> that's why you mash out typically at 78 degrees C. 
Okay. That's that's the hey, we're stopping the uh, the enzymatic process. We're moving it over to louder ton, and uh, and let it go. So classically now, uh, malt malting has evolved so much that uh, we get consistent malt. And okay. the, the enzymatic activity is always in within a specific range. Okay. Going back historically, though, you didn't have that kind of science in malting. So you had varying enzymatic levels of, of activity. And the way they compensated was by just doing uh, decoction mashing, where you harness some of the enzymes. And then to make sure that you're covered, you pull out 25%, boil it. They also didn't have temperature controls the way we do. So the only way they increased their temperatures was by taking the mash out, boiling it, and mixing it in. I see. And you go up to the next temperature level. So they typically start at like 35 degrees Celsius. And then they pull out a portion, boil it, add it back in. They'd be up to 50 degrees Celsius. Pull out another portion, they put it back in, they get up to like 62 degrees Celsius. Hmm. It was hit or miss, though. They didn't so you're just dealing with natural temperature loss from the boil to putting it back in. Well, no, you're mixing it in. So you have you have two-thirds of the liquid at the, the previous temperature. Yeah. So you're starting off at 32. You pull some of that out at 100. Okay. You're mixing it back in, and it goes up to the next step because okay. of the heated up boiling portion of the mash. That you put back and in. That's how, how a brewing was originally done. Okay. So they'd have a, a triple mash for, uh, process for decoction, a double decoction, a single decoction, and then eventually they figured out the enzyme chemistry and went for a graduated step in fusion mashing. Okay. There you have it. Hey. The, the history of, of, of the olden Dan, days. Dan, some wow. quick questions on uh, from the homebrewing side of things. This is kind of what my job in Siebel is, is to turn geeky stuff into homebrewing. Um, some relative questions for you in terms of for these guys to uh, heat up to a boil. Which, I assume you guys are using steam there? Or? Yeah. Uh, from a homebrewer standpoint where a steam generator isn't exactly the safest thing to have at home, uh, do you have any suggestions on good ways to get it up to a boil? Yeah, I, I would just have two pots. Double know. boiler? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you know, you have you know, one that's unheated and maybe one that's heated. And trying to, If you have a gas range... Yeah, I would I would just take advantage, or if you have two ga- you know, two burners to work with, mm-hmm. it's great. But most most of the guys have those fancy uh, home brewing setups now with a big big burner like big the standalone. Those sizes are crazy. What is a double uh, boiler? Chris, <laughs> what's a double boiler? Oh, uh, that's the way I kind of went to over years of of trying to do decoction without scorching, which I just ended up dry fire. Just no matter how I did it, I ended up with scorching. We built mash mixers at the bottom to constantly stir still ended up with scorching so i oh. went i went to a double boiler system one uh one kettle inside of another oh, oh. i see what you're saying so that the flame isn't hitting the actual kettle it's hitting the one it's it was inside. hitting the outside one which has water yeah yeah, um, yeah which theoretically isn't a very good conductive energy to use right. because it's not going to get above a boil but it did and all of the um extreme caramelization I was okay. getting from trying to, to get it up to a boil by direct heat. I actually use a, um, a, a pressure cooker. It's got a three-quarter inch copper base on it, so the heat's being distributed more evenly, um, which takes away from that problem of the scorching. I also find that once it starts in that boil, the mash thins out a little bit, so there's no problem at all there. So you just... It, it, if you can't do the double boiler, if you can't get a double boiler, mm-hmm. get a really good quality uh, cook pot, cook pot, ten or fifteen litre cook pot with mm-hmm. a really thick copper base, and, okay. and that problem's gone. Gotcha. And they have those ones where it's all stainless and then just copper on the bottom. That's right. Yeah. 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 Dan. 
You like all that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, uh, I mean, other, I, I'm, I'm ready to do it just on a stovetop, you know. Yeah. Where you don't well, and that's what I was – I got the standalone burner outside, but what I would do then is kind of come back inside with my with my runoff, that, I, that 30% I took off, boil it in, on my stovetop, and then bring it back outside is what I would do to my – to my stand it, yeah. it's getting it to a boil that for most of us impatient people yeah is the hard part without just really throwing the you know thermal load way up you know keep it going slow temperature raise as opposed to well, just kicking the heat all the way up and one thing you said justin was runoff it's not the liquid portion of the the mash it is the the grainy portion so you want to take the thickest portion of the mash not the liquid portion and of the part that I'm boiling, that I'm taking out to yes, boil? It's should. the grain. You, you take the thick, thickest part of the mash, and that's what you boil, not just liquid. Oh. The thick part, yeah, the grain I, part. I'm thinking homogenous here. I'm, I'm used to having a mash ton brew kettle that's yeah. continuously agitating, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm looking at an exact replica I of, gotcha. what, of, of homogenous. So you need to rapidly stir it up to... To to get scoop it out, yeah. Oh, so I'm not using my my false bottom and and, and draining out of there. I'm taking no, it out. Not the liquid. I'm the pouring grain. it out, yeah. kind of. Yeah. And, and the good way to get it out okay. is a bucket with holes in the bottom. Yeah, small holes. That way you can regulate when you scoop in to get right. your your mash out. I, I don't. I wouldn't say you want the very thickest mash you can get, but you want to be pulling from the it's, thick part, not right, from the very right. top. And and there'll okay. be some liquid in there, but. Uh, now a lot of your enzymes are are remaining in the liquid portion of the mash. Yeah, are there, so they're not going to get denatured. You're going to be okay. Now so I that, get it. Uh, part of the grain, you're going to be all right. If you if you drained off all the liquid and boiled that, and, you know, yeah, some is going to re- remain in the in the grains. But uh, but you, you know, do that same killing that we were talking about. Exactly. If you took a ah, okay, now I'm with you. So, so that makes so, sense so to yeah, me. Yeah, you got to get the grain. That's yeah. that's what you're boiling. Okay. Let, let me tell you which beers we're doing this for too. Okay, cool. I, I think that's interesting for for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, Meritson, we're doing a single decoction. We're doing it on our, our, our Blonde Bach, on the Maybach that's brewed at the restaurants. We're doing it on a Hefeweizen, too. Mm. Classically, you have a single decoction going on for Hefeweizen. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, did I leave anything out? What temperature is that? You, what do you, you doing a protein rest or... Oh, we're, we're doing it, and, you know, if we're doing a single decoction, right. we do it right at, at 70, after a 72-degree rest. Okay. And we're pulling off... What is, it, what is that in Fahrenheit? I don't know. I don't know either. Like 130, 135? No. How weird is it that everybody in here works in Celsius? Is this, this not America anymore? No, it's not. 50 is 122. Get me some meat and potatoes here. I need me a bud and some meat. Uh, 72 Celsius is 161.60 Fahrenheit. I was going to say 160. I will let you all know Oz cheated on that one. We're both using ProMash over here, throwing the numbers that Dan says. There's that traditional 50, 60, 70 thing. Which was uh, a 50 degree rest, which is 122. The 60 degree rest is like about 145, and the uh, uh, 70 degree rest is like 158 or something okay. like that. And that that was like supposed to be some sort of traditional mash profile, and and it works out. To, and 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 when you talk about it in Fahrenheit, it's like well 122, one. And it's like what are these odd numbers? Yeah, it's 50, 60, 70. So okay. You know. I do actually. Oz is teaching me the genius of the Celsius system and and how uh, mm-hmm. uh, Danielle has tried to, but I don't listen to her most of the time. <laughs> uh, but the even numbers really are brilliant. Like it, we were talking about, we go, well, what's freezing? Well, it's in Fahrenheit. It's thirty-two degrees. Well, what is it in Celsius then? 
Zero. It's zero, idiot. Like, it's, it's zero. <laughs> it just, oh, it's so simple when you go. <laughs> like even I can get the... I'm, I might try to convert Daniela no, to the... I, w- I would really appreciate that. Thanks for your help, boss. Yeah. That's right. right. for a long time. <laughs> but you know that it means that I can make you cook then, too, my German recipes. Then forget it. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take a real quick break here. We're with Dan Gordon from Gordon Biersch Brewing Company. When we come back, I've got your questions in front of me. I'll try to get through as many as we can. Uh, a couple quick lagering techniques from the Dan, and we'll let the poor man go have some fun with his family. And we got some stuff to give away, too. It's the Brewcast with Dan Gordon. You're listening to the Brewcasters.
beer that's real beer, great beer? Well, you can brew your own world-class beer at home. Not only is brewing your own beer incredibly fun, it saves you money, too. At morebeer.com, you can get your own personal brewery for as little as 100 bucks and make any style of beer you can dream of. Morebeer.com has everything you need to get started brewing beer that rivals even the best American craft brews or European imports, hands down. And the folks at morebeer.com are the most knowledgeable in the industry. They're never more than a phone call away with great tips and expert advice. Let them guide you from novice home brewer all the way up to commercial brewmaster. Check out the website at morebeer.com. Call 800-600-0033. That's 800-600-0033. Or visit their fun showroom at 975 Detroit Avenue in Concord. They've even got free shipping. See what they're about at morebeer.com. Absolutely everything for making beer, wine, and coffee. You are back with the Brewcasters on the Sunday show. Sunday show with the great Dan Gordon from Gordon Biersch Brewing Company. If you want to check out their website, you can go to gordonbiersch.com or just click that nice little logo right on our main page and it'll take you right there. And uh, the whole world of Gordon Biersch is available right online there at uh, gordonbiersch.com, so check it out. Now, just before the break, uh, we were talking decoction mashing, and uh, I do still have a couple of questions in front of me about that, Dan. Although some of them we've sort of answered. We'll just do it real quickly. You were talking about how well malt is modified now, which, by the way, is great news for home brewers. And we've talked about this on the show before because we don't have labs and all that sort of stuff. And uh, even when you're using uh, extract, assuming that the extract... Some of us don't have labs. (laughs) (laughs) With the exception of Jamil, of course. (laughs) Some of us don't have clean rooms. Yeah. You you wankers without the clean rooms. Yeah, my, my campaign slogan is "Give me a photo spectrometer in every home." <laughs> you know, and uh, it's funny that uh, everybody on the Brewing Network would get that as well. Uh, outside of the Brewing Network, I don't know if that's going to get you very far. No, it'll be a very low <laughs> turnout in the election process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so, uh, because uh, malt is so well modified nowadays, uh, if as long as your extract is fresh, that tends to be really good extract uh, nowadays too. In fact, beer beer pal and I were just talking; he's still using the extract, and uh, I'll tell you a story about myself in just a little while um so anyway dan because things are so uh, well modified as you mentioned yourself you know the question here is uh, do we really need to do the decoction and you have a couple of just specific instances where it's important yeah dark beers in particular box box style beers too and uh and the, the major reason is that the you get a higher percentage darker roasted malts in, in action there's gonna be a lower enzymatic activity level in those malts too okay. and you get a higher level of crystalline structure so the the higher heat helps get bringing those flavors out and releasing releasing it. Okay. So there are there are your instances when decoction mash and even with the the highly modified malts are necessary. Now here's a question that's a very sort of general question and I know you don't have this specific answer, but there are ways of finding out and it's going to lead me into some other things too. Gordon Biersch uh, Brewing Company has restaurants and and breweries within them. Uh, how many do you have now, Dan? Well, there's one large bottling and brewing facility, and that, uh, that that's on one ownership side of uh, of our of the structure. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, California law prohibited us from owning the restaurants any longer after uh, 2000. Oh, 2000. is that right? So we sold the restaurant portion 
Uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger as our governor, he probably could have changed the law, but with Gray Davis, <laughs> he would have preferred the, the corruption levels that were going on in California state government. Uh, we weren't able to change the law, so we di- uh, diversified more or less, split the company into two. Okay, and I'm on the the brewery side, but my heart and soul is still on the restaurant side too. Um, they're both all my babies. Okay, and there are 19 brewery restaurants right now, with number 20 opening in about four weeks. In okay, Bur- Virginia Beach. Oh, so beautiful. Yeah, we're big in the D.C. area now. Uh, D.C., uh, Tyson Corner, Virginia, and then Virginia Beach. And there's actually a Gordon Biersch, uh bar in the uh, Dulles Airport in D.C. also. Nice. Yeah. I like to hear that because uh, that's that's some of your biggest venture uh, eastward. We're getting we're gearing up. Okay. Yeah, we're moving east. So is it safe to say, and I'm sure it's a complicated uh, symbiosis between the beer and the restaurant, but uh, is it safe to say then you just essentially sell beer to the restaurants and no. the restaurants do their thing? And that's where it's another misnomer. Okay. Authenticity is core is a core belief of our of the company, both ways. So everything you get is generally uh, in the brewery restaurants is brewed on site. Okay. And every brewery restaurant has a brewery in it. And, and then, those are your division even yeah, within we, the we restaurant, still, we still assist on the, you know the quality control. Uh, we we provide yeast to all the facilities because we have a huge um, you know propagation system in in our, our brewery there. We offer all the the quality control uh, supervision and and they're still all my my guys are still there. You know, it's uh, so you're it's still very family. very German in how you regulate the brewing process. Yeah, this <laughs> is how it's done and this is what you're you will do. And it's in writing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's in writing and, and everyone's like swears an oath to it. Mm. And, you know, that's the way it works. Is you it don't know like anything like that, Daniela. Is it more like a franchise yeah. type setup? No, they're, no, they're, both, they're both privately uh, held companies right. up until now. You know, in a few weeks it'll be a little different. You're about to go public. Yeah, the brewery restaurants are making the the big Wall Street move. Okay. Wow. Yeah. How does that change things for you? I, I don't think it changes anything. You know, I still am going to go out to every opening and, and schmooze and have a good time and... And and there really hasn't been much of a change uh, philosophically, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in everybody's best interest from both the brewery and the restaurant side to make as good of beer and, and have great dining experience as possible. Okay. Yeah. What's the point of something like that? Is it to to make your beer more available and the restaurants more widespread? Why, why do you why do you go public like that? You know, usually it's a need for capital to expand at a rapid rate. That's okay. that's generally when you when you go public. It's, okay. It's more of a of a capitalization structure. It's an MBA class question. As gotcha. To, uh, Daniela can answer that yeah, for Yeah, sure, us. yeah. <laughs> she does know. She's a bit Schaffler, huh? <laughs> I am. <laughs> what is that, Daniela? It's uh, like you want to... You want to make sure that the money comes in? Ah, mm. yes, she is that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, lucky we're still here because of that. <laughs> Apart from the um, the beers in all your restaurants being the same, uh, is all the food, is the menu the same? If, if I go to any uh, Gordon Birch, can I go and get that Mertzenberger? Um, yeah, almost. Uh, you can get that. But uh, like Hawaii has a regional uh, appetizer menu and entrees mm. that, that are more applicable to that region. I right. think the southeast restaurants have some uh, some things on it like shrimp and grits. You know, that, that's more <laughs> applicable to that. I love that. I haven't been out to Atlanta in a long time, so I can't, I can't quote directly, but I heard. Uh, that's what I would order if I went. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, as, as, that's an acquired taste. I would still as, order it. As opposed to the, to the poke in, in Honolulu, which is to die for. Right. Okay. They also have the seafood Napoleon over there in, in Honolulu, the restaurant there. That's killer. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Oz pushed out on your burger. He couldn't finish the Martzen burger. No. 
No. He couldn't do it. Didn't you read And this guy, he ate a 4 by 4 at the In-N-Out just the day before, but he couldn't handle the Marks and Burger. I don't yeah. believe it. Did you eat garlic fries ahead of time and then have them on the on the platter? Uh, a bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what hurts you. Yeah. You got to control garlic that. fries are good. Yeah, they mm. That's one of your uh, claims. Part of, of a fame complete balanced <laughs> diet, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dan has never had a garlic fry in his life that I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> well, the question that uh, that led me up to all that was, uh, you know, because you have several locations. Someone wanted to know when they brew in Las Vegas so they could go watch it, but yeah. you don't know. I I just would say, you know, call the restaurant when you're out there three one two five two four seven. That's area code seven zero two, and uh, you know. Give them a call when you're going to be there, and I'm sure if you're there for three days, one of the days is going to be brewing. Yeah, they got to brew. It's a Rich Love Lady. That's the brewer. Oh yeah, Hell he's of a got guy. a nice Hell, heck of a guy. <laughs> Rich Love that's Lady. Classic, that's a classic English uh, turn of the century name, isn't it? And Mr. He's a really Lovely. Nice guy. It's ri- it's Dick Love Lady. <laughs> no, he's, he's not Dick Love Lady. <laughs> well, Richard is Dick. It is. <laughs> Your brewer in Las Vegas name is Dick Love Lady. All right, all right. Don't don't give him a hard time. Right? <laughs> now now this poor person is never going to get a tour. <laughs> uh, but when you're there, you know, just say, "Hey, Rich, is there any chance you could take me back?" And I'm sure okay. he'll do it. You don't have to stand outside in the glass and peek in. Ah, cool. But it is a glassed-in brewery. It's pretty amazing. The brew house is separate. It's got it's surrounded by glass uh, on all four sides <laughs> against my best wishes when is we were designing right? the place this is where the architect and i had a fight oh no so kidding you cannot do this because you don't want that kind of uh, have you ever cleaned glass every day of the week oh, okay. you know, and it's, yeah. it's 40 feet tall yeah, I mean, it, yeah it's not easy to keep clean oh, plus from a cost standpoint engineering something two separate areas for, for brewing you have all the plumbing that goes back and forth couldn't you just have one big window is probably your argument with that's this what guy? i wanted yeah you know, you know put them together man I, yeah I, I designed i gave him it was one of those deals where i gave him four different layouts of prototypes of, of ideal aesthetically appealing breweries and and the architect of course takes complete artistic freedom yeah. and sticks it out in Timbuktu. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it works. Die architect, die. <laughs> Any plans to take Gordon Biersch abroad? I uh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, on the on on the bottling side, yes. You know, okay. I've, I've, I'm looking for any excuse to be able to go to Japan and China on a frequent basis. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Australia. They're, they're part of the, that too. Yeah, you yeah. know, I like those shrimp that are like four inches or five inches long. <laughs> that's the tail portion only. I'm yeah. talking about. Right. Yeah. I want, I want to try those too. Yeah, that's a, that's a long haul though. Like we talked about, you know, you'd have to have a local partner on the on the brewery restaurant side to operate those. But uh, you know, exporting beer. I don't know. In Australia, you got a lot of good beer to begin with. You know, why why send stuff over? Um, Oz disagrees. I'm here to tell you right now, Dan, we do not. Okay. (laughs) That's kind of the the premonition I always get. Well, fresh off the plane, the guy goes straight to um, Anchor. Anchor, that's And it's like a little bit of heaven on earth, you know, and uh, he doesn't get a... There's not a lot like that going on in in Australia. The commercials are wrong, Dan. (laughs) <laughs> you got to bring it out there. Yeah. They got the shrimp, though. <laughs> they got the shrimp. And they got the flash boob and yeah. all that stuff. Flash boob. Is flash boob from Australia? Yeah, I, I think you Vanille was talking yeah. about flash boob. I'm talking about oh, flash boob. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I Is thought, it a drink? Yeah. No, we had the two participants yeah, on Jeopardy that were flash, oh, and, flash boob. and boob. Oh, that's right. They're not Australian, uh, though. Nah. I'm slow today, even. You are. Really? <laughs> How odd is that? <laughs> we're, we're taking a Howard Stern uh, <laughs> yeah. turn here. Uh, someone wants to know where they can get a uh, five-gallon keg of your Maybach. This is what's great. Oh, Maybach. Mm, the Nowhere. Maybach. That's a tough one. Okay. Blondbach, sure. But the Maybach's a limited batch. I don't is that think, why? You know, I'm, I'm recalling, I, we don't do much five-gallon Blondbach either. 
Oh, okay. yeah, my box just in in the restaurant, so uh, you know you can plead with the the brewer there and bring in your own. So you want, so the the other bars and places that you have Gordon Biersch on tap, they won't get the Maybach either. No. Okay. Mm. Just got to go to the restaurant. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm we're expanding our seasonal portfolio, so okay. yeah, eventually I'll brew Maybach. Nice. I just can't tell you when. I go very slow. Yeah. I mean, it took us like 12 years to do the Hefeweizen. Yeah. Model, okay. So. That's right. Uh, uh, people baby, are talking about that. Baby steps. Yeah. All right, I got to ask you this, Dan, and I know that you're a very hands-on person. You really control the beer. You're very German in that sense. But I want to know how often you go in there and put the rubber boots on and and brew the batch of beer. Is that something you're still able to do now, or uh, you got no time for that? Well, I can actually wear flip-flops in our brewery and, nice. and the control panel room and not have to bend <laughs> over or anything. I saw that control <laughs> panel, actually. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah, I, I, I'll sit there and uh, do programming on the operation, troubleshoot with the guys. I, I walk through the brew house every day. Okay. I'll be coming and going. I'm there, I'm there at least in the brewery part okay. for production like two hours a day. When's and, the last and, time you cleaned out a mash tun? Uh, 1997. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I'll tell you something else. It's all automated at Gordon Beers. We don't have Is that really? time in the mash tun to do so it. Nobody, yeah, nobody comes to. <laughs> I mean, we did that uh, once. I did. Uh, it used to be a tradition that whenever we open a brewery restaurant, and this goes to about number eight. Okay. Where I would go in and uh, do the graveyard shift. Okay. Uh, when we go around the clock, starting up a place, filling up all the tanks. Yeah. Because it was, uh, you know, one of those old-fashioned things, lead by example. And if you're not willing to do the, the crappy shift, uh, yeah. why should anybody else do it? And, I like that. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. And then when we went uh, commissioning our, our brewery in San Jose, we went, uh, well, we, we're still a 24-hour-a-day brewery. But we had to have double coverage. And now we, we, don't, we don't do double coverage now. But I, I took the graveyard shift, and uh, and that was a blast. You know, we went three weeks straight without a break. No kidding. And they were long, long days. Just brewing and brewing. Yeah. Wow. Because we were opening up at the same time, we were opening up about six brewery restaurants. Oh wow! So I had, I was like, I was getting pushed on both sides. I had a great group on the uh, brewery restaurant side, so I didn't have to to do as much hand on, hands on work. But it was, it was all fun. Though. I mean, it's like a dream come true. Yeah. Yeah. I did go into the Gordon Beersh and try to get some dirt on Dan for you folks because I figured, come on, he's the boss man, right? And I went to, you were you were having uh, at the San Francisco location. It was uh, a cheese tasting and and a, a beer pairing deal, and you invited a bunch of the brewers around. Like you said, it's a non competitive deal with you guys. And I went in there, so I'm hanging out with like the the brewer at San Francisco and a few of the other employees, the bartender and stuff. And uh, I'm I'm really working at trying to find out if you go in there and you're just like a guy like a the, the mean guy here's the boss he lets the architect push him around (laughs) (laughs) that's what that's what ended up happening i couldn't get a bad word out of it and i would have used it too dan i could not get a bad word everyone was like no he's actually really cool and he's really nice to us and he knows a ton about what we do so when he comes in we kind of just hang out and learn (laughs) <laughs> and that's what they said. That's and you were wrong. nowhere near, Dan, so they weren't... Uh... I'm lactose intolerant. Although <laughs> 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 well, I do love cheese, man. I, I don't care. I'm lactose intolerant and I love cheese. You're right. <laughs> you. What a combo. Yeah. Huh? I, uh, I can't handle the wheat and I love your Hefeweizen. So well, uh, you Same thing. But I tried to get some dirt in you, Dan. There's none. I'm going to keep working. Call my wife. She'll, <laughs> okay. she'll give you hours worth of material. <laughs> Uh, do you modify the water for your different locations of brewing? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a build your own water from the, from scratch from RO? Yep. You are. Uh-huh. Every location you go RO and you no, build it. Not every location. Okay. We, we analyze. We take the water, look at it, see what it's like. 
uh, in its incoming stage. Like San Jose's got the worst water in the world. And so we rebuild the water there. That's ground zero, reverse osmosis, blending, and all that stuff. Okay. Honolulu, man, San Francisco, those, that water's awesome. You don't, we don't do anything to it in San Francisco. The Hatch Hatchy? Yep, good yeah. stuff. Palo Alto, same thing. Okay. Then you get into, uh, everywhere, Southern California and Arizona and Nevada, you're talking really bad water. Where you are bl- uh, building your water, do you build your own water for your Pilsner and a different water for your Mohawk? Ma- no, you not, just, you no. just make your water. Yeah. Okay. It, it's, it's, our, our benchmark is 150 parts per million of total dissolved solids. And that's not the way the Germans do it. It's like, you know, six to eight uh, German hardness degrees. Which no one in the world uses except for the Germans. So <laughs> I, I had to relearn water when I came came back from Germany into the United States, and uh, we, that, those will be settled on. Right. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I, I know that B3, you guys have the salts that, so that we can build our own water, and you can just buy a kit, and then you build your water. I'm thinking right now that if uh, Gordon Biersch made the, like Gordon Biersch salt available, you just throw it in, and the, your water's ready. It'd be a big hit, Dan. I'm thinking of it right now. That, that, we don't have the salt to throw in, though. I mean, that's, it's great that there's something like that out there, though. Yeah, but I no mean, salts involved. Because you can't afford to put in, you know, $150,000 water treatments facility, uh, yeah. you know, in, in your home. Right. Uh, Doc but, can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did, actually. He, would do it, yeah. <laughs> he did, right? <laughs> Even scaled down, you know, for the brewery restaurants, I think they're like 45 or 50 grand. Okay. It's just, it's too much money. Unbelievable. Know? Yeah, but, you know, you also have to wash dishes, and that's part of the problem. Boilers have to have wa- uh, treated water, you yeah. know, otherwise you're you're replacing the tubes every every year or two. Okay. Yeah, bad news. All right. Uh, Chris White of White Labs. Good guy. He has this deal where if you use up, uh, let's see how many is uh, if you save up five thousand vials of yeast uh, and you give them to him, he'll come and he'll brew with you. Uh, the listeners want to know how many bottles of Gordon Biersch do they have to drink uh, for you to come and brew with them? Two. <laughs> Be careful, Dan. No. You know what happens. No, uh, Jesus. To come and brew with them. And you have to keep them. That's the best part. Oh, you can't man. just say you drank them. Yeah. you got to yeah. keep that many bottles. <laughs> just just going to go, starting, I'll go down my street and you know, start picking up a recycling <laughs> bin bottles from, from my neighbors. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've never... Five thousand. Come set, on, set Dan. the bar yeah, low. Two hundred thousand. Yeah. No. yeah, set it down. That's Just kind of a cool thing, though. Five thousand vials of yeast is ridiculous. It is right. ridiculous. That's a ridiculous yeah. number. I mean, the equivalent of that is you think about how much beer you'd have to brew. We could brew with yeah. five thousand vials of yeast. This is a vial of yeast, right? Right. Yeah. Wow. My next question is how many Man, times he is, he's had to go he, brew with somebody. Yeah, he's uh, a, he is, Chris is one heck of a capitalist, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, you know who's brewing with is it's like a U brew where they where they're utilizing his yeast and then, then right. you know, they happen. To, that's how they they go through twenty a day anyway. Yeah. We've started a collective. Have you? Oh yes. <laughs> Trying to get trash that. cans full so, of it now. You know, I think if someone had you know. Well, bottles. I mean, I just think about the storage issues on bottles. It's, it's starting starting to bother me. Well, how yeah. many how many cases are on a pallet? You know, someone, if if a home brewer had had consumed you know fifty cases worth of beer, yeah, I'd probably be willing to. Yeah, be careful. Be, oh, oh, oh. I mean, they probably have that now. Their clan have to cover my travel expenses. Oh, right, right. Labels. Realized, they could collect labels. I just labels. realized your people could be listening in Taiwan or something. Yeah, like I know that. it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is dangerous. Well, they can't get my beer in Taiwan. How about that? <laughs> it's, it's actually a, a Darwinian process here. So if somebody in Taiwan drinks a bunch of your beer, you'll go. Yeah, let's say if, if, they, if they have 50 cases of Gordon Beer's bottles and, and, <laughs> and the go. receipts to prove it. Yeah, know, right. I don't, I don't want them... 
collecting them for their friends. Yeah. Is that yeah. counting for Australia? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, if my expenses are covered for Australia, you bet. Justin's pine. Wait on. Right. I'm working on it. I think it's about one case for him to go to Australia for it's expensive. Yeah, that would, that would be pretty good, pretty accurate. Yeah. Have you ever visited your restaurant in Atlanta? Yes. Yeah. Three times. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, you like to go around. Is that a and see trick question? Happening. Someone was trying that. Well, I went there for the I opening. I don't know. Yeah, you did go for the opening. Yeah, I went there for the opening. I, I've, I've actually probably four or five times I've been there. Now, if you go around, you're traveling with the family, and it's it's you're just traveling. Maybe you've got friends in the area. Do you say, "Come on, guys, my treat will go over to the Gordon Biersch," or oh, yeah. do you kind of avoid that? You do. You say, yeah, "Let's yeah, go to yeah, my yeah, place." Yeah, I do a lot of. Uh, my kid, wife, and kids love it. You know, I've eaten so many meals there that you know. The, the truth is, is I've, I know the menu by heart. Right. I know, but they love going every time we get a chance. That's cool. And I play uh, jazz, and I do it at our, uh, the restaurant in San Jose, uh, actually playing on July 17th. What do you play? Trombone. Okay, we talked about we that last time, didn't this. we? Yeah. And you play, when are you playing in San Jose? Uh, July 17th. Nice. We're 7, there. 7 p.m. All right. Yeah, you guys can come. You'll be my guest. Oh, beautiful. With the wife and kids. July 17th. We're there. And then you can get all the dirt on my... Uh, I'm, I'm me for my wife. Yeah, just introduce me to your wife, and uh, I'll take care of the rest, Dan. I'm going to get all the dirt for the for for the Dan Show Part Three. We won't do any brew information. It's all going to be Dan dirt. Looks like another another trip out here for me. I think. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I just I, you know because some people they don't like to go. Yeah, it's my business. I don't want to be there. But I think that that's what I would do if I had restaurants all over. I'd. Uh, I'd go check it out. Yeah, know. I love. For me, it's not just the you know the restaurant eating part. I love I love seeing some of the old timers that have been working there for you know ten years or so. That's a blast for me. Hanging out with them, just shooting the shit. We had a reunion. Uh, the, the, we call it the fifteen year, sixteen year reunion in San Jose because no one really knew it was sixteen years. But <laughs> nice. <laughs> so they advertised it as the fifteen year reunion. Beautiful. And and a lot of the gang that opened it up were there. That was a blast seeing them. That You'd be good. amazed at the spinoffs from. Uh, from Gordon Biersch. Really? The, the restaurant groups that have, have had core people from our company going yeah. off and doing their own thing. It's, oh, that's great. Yeah, it's awesome seeing it. That's got to be a the cool kids thing grow to up see. And, uh, and, and, and do better than me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like when we are, like we've had some uh, home brewers who have been with us since the, since we started uh, the show here a year ago, and they've just started to post in the forum about all these competitions they're winning, and they're all saying, oh, it's great information you guys give, and I feel like that's part of it, and it's like our kids growing up, John. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> was, was it Boob? Um, boob just took <laughs> best, first competition. Best of show. Best In fact, show. you just won for Boob today. Yeah, first competition he ever entered, he won best of show in that kind of thing. And, and it's cool just to see people branch out. What, what happens when you go to one of your restaurants, maybe that you've not been to in a long time, so you don't know any of the people there, and uh, you come in, and the, the, here's the bartender and the manager, and they're all, that's that's Dan Gordon. Yeah, they're on edge. <laughs> I, I just walk around and, and say hi to each one of them so they can understand that I'm, uh, a, real I'm a normal guy, and then uh, they draw short a straw to see who has to wait on me. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be the, I couldn't imagine. I used to be a waiter, Dan, and I, I would not want to wait on, like, Mr. Gordon. Yeah, then, then, then they hear, you know, from someone that's potentially waited on me before and knows me that, that I'm not going to bite. Right. You right. not go in there first up, look really, really angry g- just to g- put him off edge? The permanent Don Rumsfeld pissed off look. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you do the whole, like, here's a review of the server, or you just kind of leave it be? If there's some negative things that are happening, I'll let the server know in personally. Oh, okay. As opposed to going to the manager sure. and, and getting them ripped apart by that, that person. Yeah. And the positive things, I'll let the manager know so that they have a, a chance to, uh, yeah. to recognize them for the good stuff. And if it's abysmal, I will let it. I'll go throughout the whole network of 
of people and let them Top know to that, bottom. Yeah, that this is unacceptable. Okay. What a yeah. great boss. Yeah. Yeah. Serving beer without head on it. That's a big one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's capital corporal punishment. That should be rule number one. I think it is. Yeah. If you're going to a brewery. To, to serve a beer without a head, go to jail. Yeah. It's like accordion playing. We will kick you out of Germany for such things. <laughs> yeah. You do not do this. <laughs> Zeitmanut and Pils, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> is that that's one that never has head? Or that's what? so my dad. No, that's a seven-minute beer pour. That, oh. That's the one that's got head that, that lasts. Uh, it's over the crowning head over the glass. It's like two inches tall. Beautiful. And it is just sheer perfection. It Americans think they're getting ripped off when they see that. Why didn't you fill it up it, all the way? That's the worst part. That, that's one of the my ultimate missions is to try to instill beer and glass culture in mm. yeah. and, and, you know, the restaurant sector. They all use these uh, iced tea glasses, you know. They, yeah. They call them the mixing glasses. They call yeah. them a pint glass, which, of course, is completely incorrect because it doesn't hold a pint, for one thing. <laughs> and and it's not in any shape or form that allows for the aroma to to properly be, you know, emitted into your into yeah. your nasal pathways. Yeah. It drives me crazy. Yeah. Me too, absolutely. And well, I find them gross too. I don't like them at all. Oh, it's a disgusting glass. Yeah, uh, a is. lot of people of, of uh, good craft brewers are, are saying the same thing. They've come in here and done that. But what other good craft brewers? I mean, and this is one of the things that I, I challenge all my colleagues out Do there. Do so, please. To, to put out, you know, to, to give the accounts or get allow them the opportunity to buy them at least. Uh, some half-decent glassware. Make it yourself yeah. and, and let them uh, buy yeah. it from you. I mean, we, yeah. I, we do. We buy these, uh, you know, Willie Beckers from, uh, from Germany and import them. Oh, they're imported. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, sweet. Unfortunately, you know, we tried to make them here, but yeah, you can't get that neat gold rim on it. I love the gold rim. Oh, yeah. Dan uh, brought us a bunch of glasses the last time, and uh, these are all. I either drink out of these guys, or a Moonlight also has some ones uh, without That's the gold rim. That's a Willie Becker also. But uh, oh, same company. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a, the shape of the glasses. It's not the company. But I see. The shape. I think his are domestically made. Okay. You can tell from the thickness of the, of the rim and the wall. Yeah. And also the, uh, the, the incorrect, incorrect measurements for the, the, the volume of the glass. <laughs> yeah. Good American measurements. You got the U.S. pint on the glass. Then you've got the uh, .4. .4. It should be .5? Yeah, at .5 yeah. it should be a little higher there. Ah, gotcha. And yeah. then, of course, at the bottom, uh, there's the time to order another beer, uh, Mark. Which you got to like that. Yeah, that one I that's do like. That's, that's a good that's measurement. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, do you do mystery visits? You ever pop in on your restaurants uh, undeclared? You uh, say here yeah, I, am, I never I'm know where I'm going to be anyway. So yeah, most so they're of, all mystery visits. Yeah, no one ever knows. No, I, I call up. You know, if I have a group coming in, obviously I got to make a yeah. let them know I'm coming. Sure, get a table. But no, I'll do. I'll just show up with two or three people. Big thing in the restaurant biz, and I've had these, and it's uh, despised by all the workers there because it's easy to cheat, Dan. And I'm gonna I'm gonna let you know this in case your company is doing it too. But uh, they, they they hire sh- the, what are what are called shoppers. Yeah, everybody does that. So shoppers are two old people that are hired to go have dinner there, and they're not always old, but uh, it's a generalization. But mm-hmm. they go in and uh, <clears throat> they're to evaluate every every all of the points of service, as they're called in the industry. Every company has their points of service. There are things that you have to do and. Shoppers get a free meal by going in there and reporting on the points of service. You're then right. They, you can see them a mile away. They usually look like they've uh, been dining primarily at Denny's. <laughs> they do. <laughs> That's they, they, absolutely true. And, and it's classic because they are, you know, traditionally, there's some really crappy companies, and, and you don't get a, a, a true look at it. The ones that, that the good companies hire, though, are professional restaurateurs that have do this personally. Oh, uh, okay. And you pay a lot more money for For it. that, okay. They're, they're not doing it for the free meal. These guys are paying, you know, 400 bucks for the report and the service. They, I see. They're doing less frequently. But the uh, locations get graded and awarded appropriately. And, uh. and, and also, uh, it gives you a heads up. It's not the best random sampling. 
Because it could, you know, everyone always screws up. Sometimes they screw up. And, sure. And, and, and they forget. Because you're not sitting at the table writing everything down, because then it's obvious. These that good you're... guys never forget. Yeah. They're, they're spot on. Okay. Yeah, it's it's incredible. But, yeah, the the, the people that hang out at Denny's and Lions. You yeah. Know, that, and then all of a sudden they go to uh, whatever fancy golf course or, or brewery, and you can see, like you say, you see them because they look And most like of the time like they don't Denny's. even drink beer. Yeah, no. that's right. <laughs> you look at their report. Yeah. I, I was the beer server the correct head of them. Oh, no, I had a cup of coffee. <laughs> Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, the people that order coffee when they're having their entree, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know well, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're not quite their demographic, are you? I'll also have the uh, chicken fingers <laughs> with uh, extra ranch, please. They just do the same routine all the time. That's how you know. Because you go to the bar, you check the bartender first, you order two beers and an appetizer, then you go sit down in the restaurant, uh, you, you order your food there, you uh, you make sure you're offered dessert, you ask a specific question about one of the entrees. It just, as a server, if they're not good, like you say, it's yeah. it's plain as day. I, I do it as a favor to some of my friends that own restaurants. Oh, you just yeah. go around and do it? They, I always thought it would be great to have a network of restaurateurs that could uh, do it, you know, Spot checks for each other. Absolutely, It'd be more of a, of a fraternity type thing, and, and kind of fun, you know. Yeah, it is, especially yeah. if it's like sushi, you know. Yeah, <laughs> all the good <laughs> stuff. Something really expensive, especially <laughs> if you get to go to Australia and try that person's restaurant. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, back to a little more beer stuff. Uh, what's what difference would you see, and Jamil, I'd like your take on this too, in lagering at say thirty six degrees Fahrenheit versus thirty two degrees Fahrenheit? So a couple of degrees there. Yeah, the primary difference I could think, uh, I think flavor quality are going to be okay. It's the yeast is going to settle down a little slower. Okay. And, and the clarity of the beer will be a little different. What about flavor? Uh, flavor should, you know, that's that's close enough. Good Four enough degrees. For, good enough for jazz, as we say. Okay. Yeah. The head retention may not be as good. Uh, at, uh, at the at the higher temp. Higher temp. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna lack a little bit there. Okay. Otherwise, I think you're okay. So that head retention isn't just in your mash; it's in your fermentation too. Oh yeah, there's. Head retention, there's a ton of them. Iron content mm-hmm. in the water has has an impact on it. Uh, zinc deficiencies, mm-hmm. you know, in the water, when in the mash, uh, that's going to lead to problems. Okay. And fermentation and head retention. Okay. And there's all kinds of stuff that com- comes in chemically. Jamil? Well, I'd say the same thing, and I, and I would think, uh, you know, unless you had them side by side, you're really not going to notice a difference. It's going to be fine, but... You know, I, I would think on that lower temp, one of the things you're going to get is uh, you know, the yeast are going to kick out a little, a little uh, slower, so you're going to get less uh, tolesis on the yeast. And uh, anytime the, the yeast autolyze, uh, that's going to affect your head. So that might be part of that that issue, or do you, or do you think it's um, something else going on with that? No, you, you should go dormant 36 and 32 pretty much equally well. Well, uh, right, but I, I, you know, as far as um, whether the yeast is gonna gonna autolyze, uh, you know, it, it's got to be temp dependent. What I do don't know. I, I don't know that in that range. If, if there's four degrees, not enough. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I it's it's, it's got to be really subtle. It's worth either way. Someone doing a little little research work on yeah. it to tr- test it out. I don't know anyone that's tested that. It's got to be. Thing. It's got to be so minor. I bet you, you couldn't tell. So it's okay. side by side, and even then, I I bet you it's really small. It, you could tell, Jamil. Come on, don't kid us. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course I could. I'm talking about you people. I'm talking about you, you unwashed masses out there. Yeah. Uh, I, I would think side by side, maybe you could tell, but yeah. you know, other than that, uh, there's so many other things that have such a uh, high impact on the beer. Yeah, you know, your primary fermentation. That's that's a big difference. Okay. You know, Dan. Dan, quick question for Dan here uh, in terms of uh, pressure of the vessel. Um, that you're storing it in after a primary fermentation, do you up that to seal it off to 
prevent uh, oxidation from occurring or anything like that? Well, all, all of our, let's let's just say, from the be- time that we begin fermentation, it's in an, uh, a completely oxygen-free environment. Uh, there's always a CO2 environment. We purge purge all of our tanks with CO2 before any train uh, transfer, <clears throat> and then. Uh, yeah, we, we naturally carbonate our beers, and the natural carbonation is occurring with a bunging device on the on the tank. So we're holding it anywhere uh, from 0.4 to 0.7 bar. Okay, starting when? That That's in the, uh, you know, day nine. Okay. So it's in a pretty, that's a very safe environment, yeah, storage-wise. I, uh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I got this. Safety first. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're all right. I got this question here. Um, that uh, I don't know. I sort of even know the answer, but I want to ask it to you guys uh, because it's a, it's a very simple question. Uh, you know, what yeast should we use to make lagers at 62 degrees? Which, by the definition of lager, let's just say from the beginning, is not doing it at 62 degrees. What it, it, lager translates to? What Dan? Uh, it means well, actually, Danielle. Yeah, you, Danielle, you, you could, could have fun with this one. What's that? With what the does lager mean? In what does German? it transfer to? Lagering, lagering just means storing stuff. It's storing cold, isn't it? Not necessarily 100%. Lagering, it's just storing? A lager can either be a, a hull. It can, you know, you can have any kind of stuff in a lager. Okay. It's just, it can be a verb or it can be a noun, and it just means storing stuff. Okay. Storage room, storing stuff. It is not necessarily cold. That's not the word. Okay. Dan? But in brewing, it, it goes into more of cold aging. Okay. And and the storage, the ripening of the beer. Right. Reifung. Lagerung. Okay. They go they go hand in hand. Yeah, it, uh, I don't know too many people trying to... You know, that's kind of the history behind steam beer, is that they would take uh, a lager yeast and they ferment it at warmer temperatures because they didn't have the natural ice. Uh, you know, the ice is a source of uh, of refrigeration. Okay. That the, the breweries, you know, everyone wonders why the breweries set up in St. Louis and, you know, near uh, in Golden, Colorado and Milwaukee is that they had... The ice blocks that they bring off the uh, the lakes to keep the beer cold. Well, the history behind steam beer in San Francisco is is that we didn't have the refrigeration, and it was all done at a higher temp. So, you know, that's that's what steam beer is. Okay. Ale, lager yeast fermented at warmer temperatures. Okay. So it, then, is there one that you and any of you could pick that if you were going to do something at at warmer temperatures, what lager yeast would you use then? Okay. Isn't there a steam beer yeast? San Francisco lager. The San Francisco lager. And that's one that's designed to be uh, lager. Is that 850? 850. Yeah. 850. Is that designed to be fermented higher? I've seen it ferment as low as 45 and high as 65 without putting out excessive esters. Okay. Anything else besides that one? I've actually used the SAF lager dry yeast at the higher temps, and it, it works fine. When I use that, I do pitch a lot. I'll, I'll put three to four sachets of that yeast into a five-gallon batch. Okay. And it works fine. <laughs> There you have it. I've used the uh, German Bach 833 too, at low 60s, and not much off flavors either. Okay. Pretty clean. Okay. Last couple things I want to do here. For one, I, I'm going to go uh, way out here and uh, throw myself into the fire pit and have Dan Gordon and Jamil try my beer. And it's my first all-grain batch that I've ever done. 
Uh, and, and there's a little story behind that. Uh, Oz, uh, who you all know is, is visiting us uh, from Australia, came out just for the anniversary show. And then, of course, a bonus was getting to hang with Dan here for this show. Uh, him and his, his lovely girlfriend, Di, got sick of listening to me and my weird stories about how I, I sort of mini-mash and I sort of extract. And I have all these long, complicated like recipe things every single show. They got tired of it. And um, they actually were, were, were very generous, and they work with John at over at uh, Beer, Beer, More Beer, and set me up, and I think Chris helped him out too, uh, set me up with a, an all-grain setup. They completed my, my brew kit outside, which was, was starting to get very nice, but I still was doing all these weird mashing techniques, and he got me a full uh, all-grain setup. So uh, he, he then uh, showed me how, and I did my first all-grain batch, and I did a, a Best Bitter, a kit from B3. And uh, went through the whole process, and I, I want you guys to try it. And uh, now, is there hazard pay for this? <laughs> <laughs> there is, Jamil. Don't worry. Uh, it'll, it'll, it's in the mail. So, uh, <laughs> all right, with, with my regular checks. With all your right. regular checks, it'll arrive right at the same time as those. And uh, regardless of, and by the way, I'll say it now. I've, I've said it before. I'm, I am like a rock. You can say anything you want, uh, regardless of what you Dumbass. say. I'm yeah. probably going to enter it into a competition, uh, just because it's that uh, Hopheads.com. It's that uh, 19th annual Southern California homebrew comp that I want you all to enter. And anyway, uh, Oz is, is passing it around now, and I'm going to try a little bit myself. I've actually only had one taste on this. It is a filtered homebrew. I had Doc uh, help me uh, filter it because uh, it's it's young. We just brewed it not too long ago, fermented it real quick in about uh, five days, and then had it filtered. Uh, it's, uh, it's still hazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those hazy, uh, hazy yeah. filtered beers. It's so totally I'm, filtered, and it's still hazy. Scott said he didn't have much time on this one. <laughs> he went right they, through. They didn't, they didn't teach us that part of <laughs> brewing school, how to, do, how to do the hazy filtered beer. But well, it, you're it, no it, Dr. Scott. It tastes fine. We probably, <laughs> it tastes great. Is it all right? You did a good job. We need to explain a few things with the haziness. I think Doc filtered it the night we dropped it off. Yeah. And it was at room temp. And we've also used 1056 yeast, which is a real bitch to filter out. Not very flocculent? No. If okay. you filtered at room temperature, I can explain what's going on here. That's mostly, oh, pro- is it? That's mostly protein haze then. Okay. I'm sure you got out most of the yeast. Is yeah. protein yeah. haze chill haze? Or that, is that the same thing? Yes, pretty indeed. much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's, that's what, what we're we dealing with earlier. with my haze. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, you know... It's good. You did a fine job. It's one of your best beers. Is it? <laughs> Pat yourself on the back there. Well, I can the, do that? Yeah. What's the base of the beer? I didn't even look at the recipe. Here, I declared award it's a winning. Kick. Here, I wow. declared award winning. So yeah. even if and when I lose, I still feel, I'm going to go back and say Dan said it's award winning. You got the Dan Gordon And give me my medal. Wow. Shall yeah. we discuss what we did with the yeast and a few of those so, tricks yeah. in there? We did do a couple of different things. Uh, did, did you use a California ale yeast on this? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one. Uh, yeah, if it's a best bitter, yeah, you can't use that. You, you got to use an English ale yeast. I uh. mean, it, it, yeast is so important. The character that the yeast kicks out is so important to the final beer. Mm. Okay, it's it, it's it's not bad. And, and I is it too fruity? English, is that why? No, it's missing those English ale esters mm. and that English ale character. And um, okay, the reason we did that was we really wanted this brew to finish out in three or four days. And it, the the temperature was it was fermenting what seventy seven. English ale yeast will finish out hot. faster. Yeah, English ale yeast will finish out faster and under higher temperature than um than the California cow? ale yeast. Oh no, yeah. English ale yeast really? will finish. You can you can brew uh, a bitter. Yeah. 
like two days. Be done. Be drinking that thing. Even you know, if it's, it's fermenting at seventy, that'd still be okay. Yeah, I, I would go with the English ale yeast. Wow. The the um the recipe seems spot on. Because it's not mine. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a B3 recipe, a testament to their I, kids. I would think that the, the recipe is fine. I mean, okay. you, could, you could go a little more aroma, or you could go a little more bitter, so you could, you know, you could screw around with it, but yeah. the recipe's fine. Mm. Okay. Uh, ingredients seem fine. I, I, I think the, the flaw is just the yeast lichen. Not my mash temp or anything else? Because that was the, what I changed in my process here. That was all good? Ah. Cheers, Oz. Up your bum. Up your bum, though, babies. That's what they say in Australia. It's by far the cleanest beer you ever brewed, Jay. Is it? Yeah. All my beers are pretty clean, though. Not infection. It's more, more balanced than the previous. Did you hit it your OG? Somebody in the chat room wants to know because he missed his OG today by 11 points. Oh, that's a little big. I've done that with him before, yes, but this time, no. We're spot on. Yeah, we hit it. We're absolutely spot on. I think the, the recipe said uh, 104.9. We hit 105.0. So one point would I call one by one point. Off. If anything, we we finished a little lower than I than we had expected. Yeah, we, I think we, we were hoping for ten twelve, and then we think it's about ten ten. Yeah. And what time did you reach a boil? Probably like four a.m. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those. Uh, I never yeah, long laundering time. Yeah, well, Dan, if I'm ever uh, you know of the quality of brewer that could could brew at GB, I'm definitely your overnight guy because I never start before like five in the afternoon. The sun was coming oh, okay. up when we pitched. I don't think yeah. you're the quality of guy to brew. I said if ever. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Jimmy, I'll have a Pretty little much. faith. Well, I, I think if you if you had used English ale yeast, you would have finished a little. Uh, a little sweeter as well. Okay. You know, you, you, you wouldn't have gotten, uh, you know, the cal oil yeast is going to attenuate between 70, 75, around in there. And uh, the English ale yeast will go like, you know, 60-something to, you know, 70. Okay. So, again, you know, selection of yeast is really important. Um, I think in competition, if it's a small competition. Yeah. <laughs> on, like two or three in drink. If there's nobody in your category. <laughs> depending on the judges. Yeah. Uh, you could, you could, you could. Place in there, I think. Uh, you know, <laughs> some judges wouldn't Play. wouldn't wouldn't notice Ooh. that. You know, it's missing missing the the English. Uh, but you would. That. But did you hear that? Yeah, place it's potentially. <laughs> I heard I that mean, after it, all of the qualifiers. Yeah, I heard it's, that. It's got some fruitiness, but yeah. it's it's missing. I mean, it's it's you know. On the other hand, it's it's not an English beer. Thing. Yeah, it's yeah. not. I, I'll, yeah, I agree it's with a you. Good drinking beer. I mean, you know. Well, I'll tell you. As soon as I run out of Gordon Beer, I'm totally going to drink this. Mm. Yeah, and I, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll take the blame for the I, I for the yeast. Brew it again, <laughs> and and uh, you know, use the English ale yeast, and uh, you know, fermentation temperatures, everything. What is you know, the yeast and, and called for in the recipe? Oh, yeah. Is that the English? That's the White Labs English yeah. ale yeast, O2. Well, I really like it. I stand corrected. <laughs> That's a good beer. I, you know, it is a good beer. Drink, drink I mean, away. It's a great beer for having it at it's, home. We can blame JP, because when I said this is what we want to do, he's gone, yeah, 1056, uh, uh, 01's uh, the choice bit. So. Oh, what the hell are you listening to that guy for? <laughs> when, when did we start listening to JP? Right. Yeah. Tell me that. Have the wheels come off the cart? What's going on? <laughs> Justin. Yes. I, I, I like your beer. Okay. And I, I, I'll be honest, I thought it was a, I mean, not that I know what the hell I'm talking about. I thought it was a pale ale. Beer pal on the mic, by the way. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm saying, my, my point is, enter it both as a, as a, Extra bitter? Is that what you brewed it in? It's B- that, that's the recipe is the best bitter. Best and bitter. as a pale ale. Okay. I mean, what the hell? Yeah, no, you're right. And that's the cool thing about uh, the dry hops is that you can do ale. a couple of categories, right? <laughs> yep. And, and definitely, if, like Jamil just said, dry hop it. Okay. I just judged a fleet of pale ales, and I'd say this would be right in the middle just as it is. Ah. I think if you dry hop it just a little bit with something citrusy, 
it's gonna in be the right middle. The so if there's less than like four entries, you're in there. <laughs> and Dan's laughing because in his world, dry hop means cover up the shit that's yeah. wrong with the beer. Yeah, I leave it the way it is. I would, I would just let it fly. Well, I got one. Ba- uh, five gallons of it are cask conditioning. Actually, we did. Mm. We force carved this one and filtered it. Five gallons are sitting over there, uh, cask conditioning. So I'm curious about what the difference is going to be there too. What I think is really important is this is Justin's first all grain beer. Very first. And the Apart from the yeast selection, which I'll take the cup for, there's no flaws. And that's, that well, this, is this just is amazing. This is the first beer he's allowed to ferment before yeah. drinking it. <laughs> wow. Good so. work, Justin. Hey, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, we're changing our outro song today. I'm going to tell you guys wow. that. Why not? We did a few different things today. We're going to change that, too. We're going to do... Uh, we're not leaving just quite yet. i got to do uh, Stump the Brewer. Ooh, I forgot about that. Yeah, just real quick, I got it. They're already here, so we don't even have to wait for them to come through. Prizes will go out to these people. Um, also, the Hennings, who have been listening to us for a while now, um, are, are are unable to listen after today because they've run on uh, hard times and have to get their internet uh, turned off, which right. uh, it sucks, really. I think a family with four kids, right? A lot of kids. Yeah, four, I think. So. Uh, I, I don't know. I got a note that says people want to donate yeah, to, to them. Somebody had the idea. I don't know. They have to set it up, though, I think, amongst themselves, right? Well, I'll tell you what. If if, if anybody wants to donate to the Hennings so that they can uh, you know, continue to listen or, or, or if they just want to donate to help them, I guess that's what's happening, you can donate on our Donate button on the Brewing Network, but, and there's a little place to put a note. Like you put the, the reason mm-hmm. for uh, – you put the, it just says why you're donating. Right. Put Hennings, and I'll, I'll send them a check. I, I won't keep it. I'm, you guys know me. Uh, Brewer's Code. You put a donation that says the Hennings on it, and I will. Uh, uh, John and I will happily cut a check to the Hennings, and uh, it's. Uh, it would be very unfortunate if they couldn't listen yes. anymore uh, without the internet. And uh, I don't know what I'd do without the internet. I'm that kind of a tech sissy these days, and uh, I'd be lost. Me uh, too. Not to mention it's my job. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there you go. The Hennings. I'm really sorry to hear that. If you want to donate, hit the donate button on our main page. Put their name. I'll give it to them. You ready, Dan? Let them roll. (laughs) What is this? In prehistoric times, (laughs) this one's good. Beer was made by slumping two rocks together. (laughs) Which Hanna Barbera cartoon character is named after a brewing process? Oh hell, if I know. (laughs) I know. I don't know. And I don't know the. I see the name here, but I don't know the brewing process. It's in uh, brackets. The brewing process, isn't it? Yeah, the name is it, but uh I mean I don't oh, I can't, I see. the, the I Flintstones see. are Hanna Barbera, right? The Jetsons are. Uh, maybe I, I uh I mean I, I can't even those are the only two Hanna Barbera. Right, then let me name the character and see if you can name the the process. The process. Shmoo. Oh, forget that. You know. <laughs> I have no idea. This, according they to this, the brewer already. Okay, <laughs> when you said Hanna Barbera, they it's stumped stumped. the brewer. They say it's the diploid building state. What the hell? Well, diploid, diploid. Yeah. Oh, please, just skip that question. Which that, <laughs> did you say? Schmoo? I don't think that's brewing. You know, to tell you the so truth, we have another I meaning. Diploid bonds. You know, that's chemistry. It's biochemistry. And I call foul. Yeah, Go on to the I, next, that's not next specific one. to brewing. Okay, no stump. No stump. Then ask the other three stumps. Daniel, you have to read this one. Is it in German? Some of it. 
In what year was the Reinheitsgebot? Fifteen, sixteen. No, that the question goes okay. on. Okay. <laughs> replaced with the vorläufiges Deutsches Biergesetz, which translates into provisional German beer law. Yeah, it's a Bierstreugesetz. Which allows consti constituent components mm -hmm. prohibited in the Reinheitsgebot, such as wheat malt, cane sugar, but which no longer allowed unmalted barley. In what year did that law come into place? Boy, in I Germany? don't know about cane sugar being permitted. That was Neither do I. That, I have uh, never I, heard no, that before. That, that, ain't, that ain't part of it. But you know of the new, the, the modification? Uh, the Bierstreugesetz, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know the year on that one. I think it was 18-something, but I don't know the actual year. So they, they stumped me. Stumped. What is it? Stumped. The, the listener year? says it's 1952. Whoa. Mm. Late. Late. Oh, I don't... That's that's amazing. 1952. Do you doubt it? Uh, no, do you I want to do a Google I, for I mean, that? Hell. See if you can look up that beer I'm sure, law. I'm sure that the... Oh, I'm sure whoever... Just type Ryan Hayes. I, I think it's... Get beer. I, I, I got to go yeah, with it, you, you know? Mm. Was that about the same time they actually allowed like this yeast? List. When, yeah, they, when they brought yeast But I thought well. that was in the 1800s. Yeah, yeast was in the 1800s. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought I, it was I much later. So, but no, Louis Pasteur, once he was able to find it, yeah, that was uh, that was our guy. This we one's good, him. Dan. I got well, one. And he did, no, that, one he did that to have the French beat the Germans in, in <laughs> brewing beer. Yeah, he was like, well, why are the Germans brewing such good beer? And he wanted to figure it out. Yeah. He did. He was a good guy. And he did it with like a monocular mi microscope, too. I think it was just a little thing he held up. And mm. they well, they, they say some of his, like, uh, you know, samples are still sterile after all this time. Where wow. He, what a stud. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Name all the cities where there is a Gordon Biersch. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's too easy, man. Right, hang on, let, I got to mark them off as you go. Right. Now, how many? Tell me how many locations there are. You uh, said nineteen, I right? Think it, I think it's nineteen. I uh, love this question. Let me uh, <laughs> let me work. I'm going to try to do this chronologically too, okay. All right. to really to really show off. Okay. Well, Palo Alto, San Jose, San Francisco. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay, I got those. Pasadena, Honolulu, Las Vegas. Um. All right. Oh, yeah. this person's missing one. So let me write that. Honolulu wasn't on here. Yes, it is. Is it? Yeah. All right. On the other on. side of the card. Uh, oh. Does it include the ones that have been shut down? I think we should we should there include those for the, okay. for the heck of it. Keep going. Um, Orange, Laguna Beach, Burbank, Pas I said Pasadena, San Diego, Tempe, Arizona. Uh, did I do Seattle already? I think I said Seattle. Now we're going to move no, Broomfield, Colorado. We're going to go west, east now. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia, Miami. Uh, Memphis open and closed, so I don't know if they're going to include that one. Uh, Washington, D.C., Columbus, Ohio. Then uh, Tyson Corner, Virginia. Wow. Uh, New Orleans. And then uh, there's two in, in uh, the Toronto area that I'm, I'm not positive. Those are franchises that, that were done didn't, after my time. The listener didn't, uh, didn't claim didn't include, those, no. Didn't, didn't include the two of those. Uh, Is still uh, one I missing? Mean, no, Memphis open and closed, and and I I think uh, you know there's the Virginia Beach one that's gonna open. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got two on here that I don't think I've heard. Did I say or I said Orange and the Good Hill, San Diego? And they're not on here. San Diego, yeah, I don't see Orange here. Yeah, Orange, Orange and the Good Beach are no more. I said Burbank and Pasadena. Yeah. Uh, there's, I mean, I did all the western ones. I didn't miss a single western one. I know that for sure. I didn't miss Broomfield, Colorado, Columbus. Oh, there. Okay, so that's one of them. Got yeah, the Bro uh, Broomfield. Got Bloomfield, yeah. Did you get Columbus? I got Columbus. Uh huh. I'm missing one with an M. No, I said Memphis already. Mm -mm. Miami, I said earlier too. Got it. 
There aren't any other M ones. Is there a? Well, let me let me give me a sec here. Okay. Just because I am. This is such a good. Would be really question. surprised if I, if I overlook something like that. It's pretty good so far, even if there's <laughs> one. Of, because it could maybe even the it's not a city name. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It could be just a region in a city. Right. Well, you know those people at that location are just gonna. I was even giving you ones that were open and closed. Yeah, and those, I think, were the ones that I don't have on. And I'm not including airport bars, either. Oh. We have 38 concessions. You know what? And, by the looks of this one, it could be an airport one. Yeah, there's 38 concessions, and I can start uh, rattling those off. No, uh, well, then let me just... <laughs> wow. How about this? I'll throw San it out Francisco, here. And, uh, Salt Lake. Brewer's Code, if you missed a city, you tell us. If it's an airport location, you get a pass. All right. McLean. No, there's no Gordon Beers from McLean, Virginia. No? McLean? No, no, there isn't one. And there isn't an airport there that weren't either. Okay. So, so that th- is... that's a confused individual. I wonder, but they must have gotten this from somewhere. <laughs> no, there isn't a Google Gordon Google lied. I mean, I, I would know that one. Check the check the website. Uh, I, Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm the website right here. <laughs> I'm the website. There's none in McLean, Virginia. There's Virginia Beach is opening in a month. Oh, okay. And and so maybe that's what they're thinking. Uh, the, you know, Tyson Corner and McLean. I said Tyson Corner, Virginia. Yeah, you did. And did did they have that listed? No. See, I think that's the same. Tyson Corner. That's what I was thinking. That it might just be like a weird border thing. Like no way. For he example, this, on this is Pacheco and and Martinez yeah, all at the same yeah. time. Not when you GPS it. Seventy eight degrees. It's Martinez. <laughs> See, and this that's the same kind of thing I'm talking about. And Tyson Corner is like. Uh, Flatiron Crossing and Broomfield. Yeah, yeah, they they're interchangeable. So I, you know, I didn't actually. This is embarrassing because I haven't been out to the one there yet. Ah, uh, okay. Corner. But everyone refers to it as Tyson Corner. Okay, not stumped. Okay, there we go. You've not been stumped yet. Yes, I have. Yes, you have. Yes, I, I the, 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 the right hands give me oh, the right hands. The the and the cartoon question too. The Hanna Barbera. No, that, yeah. that would call foul on that one. Yeah, that one. Was well, foul. the listener doesn't think it's foul at all. He's really upset. Oh, that point. Explain the question then. We're in the mashing process. Is, is the diploids with with spew um, or what? Well, smooth, smooth, smooth. And diploid yeast reproduction. He's referring to. But where? Where well, is it called? That's meiosis and mitosis. I mean, that's that's you know, that's not really brewing. That's that's biology. Rich, call in real quick, maybe. Well, he's saying, he's saying that the Hanna Barbera character is named after that. I don't think so. <laughs> Come on. Don't well, shoot the anyway, message. Anyway, the Reinhardt vote. Did we verify the Reinhardt vote? Yes, we did. It, it, it did change in 1952 and wow. added a whole heap of really ugly stuff. Yeah, so it was right. Okay. Yeah. They didn't uh, that was teach us that one. That's a stump. That one was... Oh, I didn't uh, know how much you have to pay in beer taxes in Germany. <laughs> it taught us that really well. And also here. Who is the author of Beer Guide Germany? <laughs> Beer guy Germany. I Dangled. know. I want to read that I mean, one. Uh, there's only one uh, one guy I know that writes a lot. Konrad Zeidel is a is a big Austrian guy in writing, but uh, he wouldn't write about Germany. He's Austrian. I've got Steve Thomas, who's oh, well, heck, apparently not, not German. German. No, but he's got a beer guy. That's German. Not, yeah. I, I believe uh, Steve. I thank you for emailing us this question, and we will read your book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair point. That's a stump, though. Yeah, we'll call him stumped. Yeah, definitely. We got, we got stuff to give anyway. In fact, uh, someone's got to get that boot. Yeah. Or what's it mm. called for real? Stiefel. Stiefel. A stiefel. 
Stiefel. We didn't drink out of the Stiefel either. Not yet. Well, and Rich really thinks also he deserves a Stiefel for the cartoon question. <laughs> no. <laughs> Rich <laughs> needs to back up. Maybe he'll get a prize, but he can't get the Stiefel for you know, it. Give me some Andy Griffith questions. You know, Give me if, a chance. Is oh. Shmoo... Have you ever even heard of Shmoo Never. as a name for the brewing process? No. Because if it were part of the brewing process and you said, oh yeah, Shmoo is part of it, then I would say stumped. But... Nobody's heard Shmoo except for Rich. I'll tell you what, all the Australians listening are laughing their guts out because we call Shmoo something else. <laughs> <laughs> it's down there. Whoa. Right. Is that flavorful? <laughs> well, yes, it is. Justin can tell you. <laughs> oh. I'm on a low salt diet, Jamil. I got one here, but it's another one that's way out there. Oh. Right now, the boot question is, uh, I mean, the beer destroyer, because that's one, the 1952 is going to win the boot. The yeah. boot, okay. Yeah. Mm. And, until we get a better one. This one is about Mendocino Brewing Company. Oh, I... And their logo. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a Mendocino Brewing... Give me a Gordon Beersch Brewing question. And, yeah. And, you know, I agree. I'm not going to use this Actually, one. the locations for Gordon Beersch gets the... Yeah, that's a nice boot. question. Because you know, I feel like I'm rewarding the ones that, that deserve to... Maybe we can do one of those other... Except that you weren't things. stumped. No, but I appreciate someone promoting Gordon Beer. The double points. The listener went straight to Google for that one. This is a yeah. Drew Carey <laughs> type of uh, interpretation of Stump the Brewer, you know? <laughs> yeah, thousand right. points for saying Gordon Beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Four million points for showing up. Thank you. Can it be that Shmoo is yeast reproduction? That's what Rich keeps referring to. Oz, Oz, Google Schmoo right now. You know, I need a spelling. S C H M O O. I'm sure in Estonia, you know, they they use the word Schmoo for <laughs> reproduction, <laughs> but not in German. It sounds like a homebrewer term. And not in the hey, mer- man, not you see all that Schmoo in the fermenter? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> a lot of Schmoo. It's just coming up vagina. <laughs> oh, really? The microphone's on, sorry. <laughs> you know you're allowed to say, the, say vagina on the radio. That's right. Is that all that comes up? No, no, it's a space probe, cannabis, um, shmoo images, I'll look at that later. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, here's a good stump, the brewer one that refers to German beers. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, what kind of wood is used to smoke Bamberg malts? What oh, kind that's of wood? An easy one. I know that one. Really? Yeah. Oh, not to me. <laughs> yeah. The dumb Aussie knows it. Anybody knows that. I, you know, I, I'd be guessing. I don't know the right one. Hmm. Beechwood. Beechwood. Mm-hmm. Is that right, Daniel? They yeah. say alder. Uh, same thing. No, no, no. Alder, alder, <laughs> oh alder's, my used, alders used to, like in Alaska for Alaskan smoked porter. They're isn't using that, alder there. They're using beechwood in Bamberg. Isn't alder a pond? Well, they they have buchholz. I mean, uh, I've heard the word in German before for the word for the wood. But do they even have alder in Germany? We'd have to email Sabina Weiermann really quickly yeah. and ask I, her. I say beechwood and and alder for Alaskan smoke porter. I All thought right. beechwood aged is a whole other company. Yeah, the Pope has spoken. So <laughs> the Pope has spoken. <laughs> it's worth a prize. It's Give a prize. prize? Right. Yeah. yeah, that's a good technical question. Hope we're writing down all these prizes. I don't. I don't make any uh, Rauch beer, so I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't really know. Yeah. Uh, John, are you all right, buddy? You good? Good. All right. What's John got in his hand? Uh, water. Water. John's drinking water. Dan Gordon's here, bearing gifts, and John's got a water. 
It's okay. We're all in a detox mode after the uh, blonde bock in the first shift. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. A, a quick note. Uh, drive home safely, everybody. Do not drink and drive. You've been listening to tonight's show and partaking in the festivities. I'll have you know that Dan has been on his best behavior, and uh, I offered him several beers at the break, and he denied every one of them. Saving his breathalyzer for our tastings so he could participate in the show and will also be driving home responsibly, which I expect all of you to do as well. Uh, Oz, you have a stump the brew yourself. I have to stump the brew. The reason I want to ask this one, Dan, is when I was in the um, San Francisco uh, Gordon Birch, I wanted to buy a T-shirt and they didn't have any double extra large and obviously they make them. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> we specialize in double XL. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really felt like I'll be the biggest guy in the studio, but I am not. Um, <laughs> what are you saying? Uh, that I'm getting fat, Oz? Yes. Thank yes. you. Now, my, my pronunciation is not that good, but I'd like you to spell the beer purity law. Reinheit's come out. R-E-I-N-H-E-I-T-S-G-E-B-O-T. That's probably correct, but I did say the beer purity law. It's T-H-E... B-W-E-R-T. <laughs> <laughs> He's stumped. Very good. I think that's a winner. Yeah, it is. It's a good one. You knew You knew I'd fall for that one in the flash, too, didn't you? I like it. Oh, so you're a jerk. Yeah, I can double yes, XL. I I'll get it out. In my eyes, Hawaiian shirts. So this is the one that was made for a Samoan security guard and was too small. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. So, uh, so it's one of a kind that they gave to me about, I don't know, 13 years ago in Hawaii. Excellent. Caller, uh, you're I, on the I air. I wish it, they're awesome. Oh, is it Shmoo? I don't know. Caller, you're on the air. V Gates. Oh, V Gates. Head who, who are we talking to? Across the street from your brewery in Las Vegas. You live across the street? Is that what you said? No. What is across the street? Oh, this is your stump. What's across the street from your Las Vegas location? Well, it depends which way you're looking. Are you referring to the strip club? The yeah. <laughs> yeah. Negative. Oh, not the not strip club. I'm talking about the strip club. Oh, what's but the other one? Right. Well, there, there's a Marriott Hotel right in the same complex. Okay. No, we're talking, we're talking directly across the street. So you're sitting at the bar. The hotel over there? Across the street. What street? There, there used to be a La Quinta hotel right across the street. No. Try again. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it a corner? Or is it a roundabout that you're in? Nope, it is not. <laughs> it is directly across the street from him. Well, that's a... You know, I, I can't remember. Uh, I remember walking across to the La Quinta, and that was about it. You remember walking across to the strip club, Dan. Come uh, on. No, I, I didn't. I just remember. I don't even think the strip club is there any, anymore. It That's was, too bad. It was the no, the strip club is there. Oh, it still is. You walk down the street Vegas to the strip monorail. club. It's the, the Las Vegas monorail. It's huh? directly across from your Oh, yeah, there is location. a monorail stop right near there. No, I didn't know that. If there is, it's probably a hotel as well, because doesn't it run yeah, through? They don't stop, the, they stop in the no, hotels. There is no hotel. There's a hotel about three blocks down from it, or actually the the beginning of the well, monorail. There's the Hard Rock, three about three blocks, blocks, down. blocks down. Yeah, I'm not up on the monorail. I've been blind. I haven't seen the monorail. On, on Paradise Boulevard, there's a monorail? That is correct. In between Paradise, your location, and on the far side of it is the uh, La Quinta Inn. I was just there, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think ago. it's right no. there. No, I, I, I hope the monorail's right there. there. I'm, I'm looking forward to jumping on it sometime. But yeah. <laughs> the, the stop the, the is like a couple of blocks, I think. Right up the street. It's not like right there. Right up the I hope oh, it is there because yeah. that's a great way to have a beer and then get so. on the monorail. I'm looking forward to it's, jumping it's a, on it. It's a few yeah. blocks away. It's not like right across the street. No, it's, it's in the middle of the street between him, 
and and uh, La Quinta. All right, we'll, we'll call him Stumped. The monorail. You got me. Got him. Stumped. Uh, and then for you, sir, what's the name of the strip club that's right there? You know, I don't go to the strip club. Uh, oh, His wife's listening. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> it, it actually Fair looks, enough, it sir. It looked pretty seedy. I, I never have been in it. Doesn't look any good. No, I don't, don't think. It looks like if you walk in the door, you're going to get some kind of contagious disease right Is off the bat. Is it cheetahs? Fleas. No, cheetahs no, it's not there. cheetahs. It's oh, there's nothing wrong with cheetahs. No, it's not sleazy at all. Cheetahs. No. 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 Cheetahs is fine. So if it is cheetahs, it's, but you're saying it's we're, not we're cheetahs. We're deviating from, from brewery. Oh, I'm sorry. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to do that. All right, you uh, stumped. Send us an email. We'll get you uh, a shirt. Outstanding. Thanks, brother. No. All right. He's angry, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's right there. Ah! <laughs> uh, so research deployed malting and the budding state, and you will find schmoo. Right. So I'm the local Google man, am I? Yeah. Right. Deployed marching, m- mashing, is that him? Malting? Deployed malting and the budding state. We, we Googled well, how, schmoo how, and brewing. How is malting and, and budding of, you think of budding of yeast and malting? How, how are they related in the brewing process? They're not at all. Yeah, usually it's called germinating of, of, of malt. Hmm. We, we wouldn't call malt budding. I mean, yeast bud, but not But they are a similar. If you you could I mean, use the term to mean cells germinating. Yeast do bud. I mean, that's, right. that's yeah. one of the, the parts stage, phases of reproduction. But you call that germinating. Well, or that's two. No, di- they're we, two different things. We hmm. call it, it's you know the the yeast is. Uh, nah. <laughs> nah. so I'm just trying to think of some way to, to you know you go you're still you're still into biology at this point. Okay. It's not brewing specific. I think everyone's missing the salient point here is whoever whoever heard of a Hanna Barbera character called Schmoo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Schmoo was that little rubbery thing that used to jump around and can. Schmoo's cool, <laughs> but the best I can get on Google, I know Schmoo. I know Schmoo. Now they're saying deployed mating. I don't know. I don't mating. know. Oh, well, there you go. Yeast does not mate. The best there the best no I, mating in the East. The best I can it, get off an Google asexual. is, yeah. on a related note, I seem to be growing my own schmoo. Okay. so uh, <laughs> pretty cool. Uh, if this conversation goes on, I'm going to be growing my own schmoo. Uh, not stumped. So uh, the word has been said. It is final. Is that your final answer? Yes. <laughs> I'm getting very German. You are. No, that's not even German. Oh. You know, you got to learn the, learn the ultimate German word. It's called doch. Doch. <laughs> and what is that? It means I'm right and you're wrong. It's all in that exactly. one little it's in thing. one word. I love that. Is that amazing? Is that right, Daniel? Is that the best way to translate That is doch? the best way to translate yeah. it. Dan Gordon, you have just that. done me such a solid, I have no idea how to tell <laughs> you. Right. Now, now, here's the other thing. She can go right back at you and say doppeldoch. Oh. Can, can you spell that for us? Is this, this is the equivalent of like... In, in, uh, infinity, like when you're arguing as a kid and you say, "Well, you're yeah. a jerk." Infinity. That'd if she says doppel double doch is infinity. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. It, it doesn't really exist outside of the uh, inner circle of Dan Gordon and his German friends. <laughs> okay. we, we we used to uh, to get a kick out of that. Well, I can tell you that uh, doch will now be my most used German word. You can be sure of that. Right? You can't even pronounce it right, so I'm not gonna know. <laughs> it won't that. count. No. <laughs> she thinks you're talking about Scott, you know. <laughs> Doc, where's Doc? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, Dan Gordon, thanks for coming in again, man. Always fun.
Who who do we decide to give the boot to? The uh, the Dan Gordon uh, location uh, yeah, person. That was going to be it. Uh, so that person, please uh, send an email uh, to us, and we will give you. It's really cool. It's an awesome prize, and I'm really happy that you brought that to give away. And I think we're going to do our own little boot when we get off air here. Cause I've we, got my boots on. Got they <laughs> warmed up. Just two words for you guys: bubble wrap. Bubble wrap. <laughs> Keep it cold. No, keep it from breaking. Keep it from breaking. I see. I'm just thinking. Hey, make sure the beer stays thinking fresh. You're thinking kinky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's thin glass. Huh? I got to make yeah, sure. Yeah, and we'll send the uh, right hand scoop person also a tall pack of beer. That was cool. a good one. That's okay. me. All right. <laughs> oh, the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't get anything. You, you, else. you, you get the uh, assortment of triple X and double X uh, t-shirts. I want twenty-four pack. Yeah. <laughs> then you can come brew. We with can me. we can do that too. <laughs> you can work it through customs. So I'll get it to you. Oh. Don't talk about customs. <laughs> I still can't. You're gonna have that. trouble. Yeah, it's tough. Well, another great show with Dan, and uh, we of course will invite you back and uh, and hope that we can have another good discussion with you. It's it's funny that we never even get through all of the good stuff that we got to get through <laughs> as far as uh, information. We just end up having too much fun in the meantime, you know. So uh, thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. GordonBeersch.com. You can check it out. Uh, also, uh, the link is available right on our main page uh, for the next couple of days. You can click on it there. Uh, Nineteen locations, soon to be more. You will find them coming to you. Uh, let Dan know that uh, you're. Appreciate his appearance. Go ahead and send him an email uh, to the to the Gordon Beersh folks, and or uh, buy six packs of my beer, or buy that would make me a lot happier. <laughs> buy his beer, and I assure you, in true Brewing Network fashion, every testimony about his beer that has been given today was given in all honesty. We actually really love Gordon Beersh beer. That pills is awesome. This half is awesome, and I don't even like halves. Um, so uh, all good stuff. So check out the Gordon Beersh beer. It's uh, it's phenomenal. It's really it's got like I said, he's got the monopoly on American. Beers that are German style beers. You got to go to Dan Gordon for that. And uh, I wish you luck on all the expansion too. Thanks. Uh, you know, I, I really hope that works out for you. And I hope uh, more than that uh, that it brings good beer to the masses, which is what we're all trying to do. Is kind of a, get that out there. That and I got a lot of tuition payments coming up. So <laughs> perfect. How many kids are we talking? Uh, three. Three of them. Yeah. One entering college next year. Where's she going to go? Year. He, uh, he's, he's a junior a, this year, so luckily he's a stud football player. So ah, nice. Yeah, we got a lot of offers. So we're not looking at any like, Dad, I got to go to Harvard or Princeton, uh, or if actually, they do. those are some of the schools. Kind of, uh, he's got a lot of Ivy Leagues, but you beautiful. Know, yeah, they need they need big linemen. <laughs> <laughs> the Gordons are big people. Is large, that what you're saying? Large individuals. <laughs> we would like to be Samoan, but we're not quite big enough. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> you're just below the Samoan range, but you could hang out with Samoans, and that would be okay. That's my goal in life. <laughs> Hanging out with. Samoans. Moens and Dan Gordon. All right, thank you very much for doing that. Please don't forget about the uh, Brewing Network sanctioned, uh, and it's also BJCP, by the way, more importantly, a beer contest from the Inland Empire Home Brewers. It's their 19th annual Southern California Regional Homebrew Championship. Deadline is July 21st. Go to hopheads.com. Stay tuned to the brewingnetwork.com, and uh, John and I will be putting up a coupon there where you can get a dollar off of entry. Oz, it's your last show uh, with us before you go back home. It is. Uh, just like take the opportunity to thank everybody that's looked after me while, while I've been over here. I've had such a good time, cool. especially Daniela and Justin really looked after me, take me into their home and just showed me what the party life is like here. It's thank been fun. Much. I don't know what we're going to do without you, Oz. If we could keep you and get you a visa, it'd be done already. You need to find me one of those um, girls to get me married. I'm sure you're, yeah. you're you're probably suffering though from a lack of uh, alcohol at this point. Yeah, yeah. you, <laughs> you really need to get back to where you can I'm, get I'm a, a serious amount of beer. I'm suffering from lack of sleep. 
<laughs> well, I'm going to go so far as to say, and, and this isn't just my decision, uh, it has been spoken about uh, not only among brewcasters, uh, but uh, of people who, who are just kind of around the show. Beer Pal has been with us uh, since, uh, for a long time. Uh, you're an honorary brewcaster, my friend. Uh, Oz, you're, you're, uh, you're a brewcaster, man. You, like, you fit right in here. And uh, so now uh, when you go home, uh, just you, you keep your uh, Skype line free every Sunday because uh, you, can, you, you can be on the show anytime, man. Thank you very much. Up your bum, no babies. Cheers, Mike. <laughs> That's what we say in Australia. <laughs> All right. We got a few beers of Dan's to finish, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, join us at the NHC, which is uh, June 22nd through the 24th. We're hopefully going to be broadcasting live on that uh, Thursday and Friday. If not live, we'll do our whole thing like it is a live show and bring them to you on Sunday at our normal time. They will be broadcasting uh, there, and you can get all the interviews that we're going to do. Jamil, are we doing a Jamil show tomorrow morning to catch up on Kolsch? Uh, John can't make it for some reason, but okay. uh, otherwise I would I would do it. Uh, it's John's fault. I'm brewing with Oz. Oh, brewing with Oz. <laughs> So blame blame it on John. Well, we'll do a double week on another time and, and okay. to put that Kolsch back in there. Yeah, that's absolutely. the only concern is that we want to get Kolsch in there. Right, right. No, no I agree. And, and anybody that uh, comes out to the NHC and is there and has traveled farther than me, mm-hmm. I'd be happy to buy you a pint. Oh, that's a great idea. So come, come search me out. And I'd love to meet everybody out there at the NHC. I would be happy to do the same, except uh, Daniela would have to do it because I, I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> You're ridiculous. How is the chat room today? Good? It's good, doing fine. Okay. Who does the song Boys Club? Ween. There you go. The band Ween. That was that the last figures. question. Yeah. Why did you know that off the top of your head? Because <laughs> <laughs> I run Lunch Meet every Friday right, right here on the Brewing Network, <laughs> and uh, it's one of our favorite songs. All the music you've heard today is by a local band called Cold Hot Crash. Their album is coming out soon, coldhotcrash.com. I think they have one of those retarded MySpace accounts, so you can check them out there, too, and uh, their, their music is downloadable. Chris Graham, thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, beer, beer, and more beer. Appreciate you coming in here. Thank you. How was your vacation? It was awesome, so I'm a little spacey. Did you go solo or you went with your girlfriend? Girlfriend. So no Mexican It's hard, hard to take vacation, yeah, without the girlfriend. Yeah, of course. But I, I know uh, Corona and all those beers by heart now. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, is, yeah, it, is that yeah. the last statement? Tequila, that? too. <laughs> uh, beer Pal, can we expect to see you around here more often now or what? You can count on it. All right, we've Absolutely. been we've been missing you, man. And people have been asking. It's not just us. You realize that you're uh, semi-famous. I want I want to give a shout out to everybody in the chat room. Um, the, everybody there is is extra super cool. And I want to say that uh, meeting Oz has been awesome. Mm. And the, I mean, the guy he, without meeting him in person, you don't really get a, a real feel for what a great guy he is. And yeah. and wouldn't. Clearly, what an expert brewer he is as well. He's good. I, I had no idea until I met him in person, he- heard him here in the studio talking about his his processes, processes. Yeah. No, the dude, the guy is the guy's got it together. He, he knows what he's doing, and I think he I think he is a brewcaster. Uh, he has no choice but to brew well. He mi- he lives in the middle of the outback somewhere. He's got nothing right, but there. but his own beer. So uh, he is good though. He knows what he's doing. Pleasure to meet you, Oz. Thanks, guys. You're real ugly, but we're oh, yeah. we're happy to have you around. That's um, the other thing I wanted to say. He is not <laughs> ugly. Are you kidding me? No, seriously. You know what? You know he he re, he looks like one of those studly dudes from uh, Mad Max or uh, Road Warrior, <laughs> only only just dressed in a t-shirt and camo yeah. pants. You know. So without the leather straps. Without without the leather straps. And the we, we might have and, a love connection mohawk, here. But, you know, <laughs> this isn't the Friday show. Yeah. A very special <laughs> brewcast.
the leather comes out later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, again, try Gordon Biersch if you haven't already. It's it's good stuff. And and thanks to the Dan. You are forever known on the Brewing Network as the Dan. All right. So tell your family. I will. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, stay tuned to the Brewing Network. There's always uh, new and good stuff happening around here. Join us at the NHC. We'll be back next Sunday with another great brewcast for you. Thanks, everybody. Yeah.